Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thank you guys so much for being back with us here for episode number 133 here on monday june the 10th 2019 we're here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling as always i'm joe Morata alongside michael quinn how you doing there michael howdy what's shaking bacon how you doing uh, i'm shaking bacon <laughs> and i helped <laughs> Well, thanks, folks. Hopefully we can help your day pass the time as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling. We have some great topics in store for you here. But before we get to any of that, I want to remind you, if you have a Twitter, you can follow us there at OVP Podcast. You can also email us long form, of course, at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, the best place if our fans want to talk to you or me or hundreds of other retro wrestling fanatics is over on Facebook. Yep. Facebook.com slash 100. It's a good site um, mm-hmm. where you can meet the fans of OVP. You go to the search bar in the corner, you type our vantage point, dash, retro wrestling podcast, bing, bang, boom, tubes, gore. Kaflui. Kaflui, yes. I always forget the Kaflui. Gotta remember that. It's important, the Kaflui. It matters. And then, bamo, you're in. Yeah, just bamo, just like that. Blamo? Remember, yes. remember Ren and Stimpy blamo? Yeah, of course I do, that, That's That's exactly how you go in. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. And then once you're there, you can post pictures, you can ask questions, you can uh, argue, you can agree, you can do kind of the thing that you would normally do on a retro wrestling discussion board, the different is around here, we try to be nice to each other for the most part and Very respectful, civilized. Yeah. Anything would be less civilized. Yeah, that's what right. Kogan once yeah, said. The right guard of a yeah. retro, retro yeah. wrestling groups. But really, we want to have a fun time there. There's enough negativity out in the world and certainly on the uh, wrestling Twitter and things like that. The Wrestle IWC. Net. Yeah, WrestleNet. Why, why did they call it IWC? They should call it WrestleNet. Yeah, the WrestleNet. <laughs> Do you know what? We're coining that term. <laughs> OVP's WrestleNet. It's the WrestleNet. <laughs> yes. But really, join the group. Have fun. Whether you've been watching a long time whether you like a lot of promotions or just WWF, whatever your case may be, if you have a Facebook, join the group. You'll have fun. We promise that. And later on in the show, we'll have some detailed info on our Patreon, but we do have a Patreon, and that's if you want to support the show. We're not the million-dollar man over here. We're not trying to get rich off of this. I think this. I hear him cackling back there. <laughs> yeah, Mr. DBS. But <laughs> if you want to support the show, you go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But Quinn, this season... We are taking the fans' questions of hypotheticals, or not even hypotheticals, it's more of like a, should they have done something? And maybe it was something that did happen Mm -hmm. that we're wondering, you know, should this have happened? Or maybe it's something that didn't happen and someone's asking, hey, do you think they should have done this? You know, like we've talked about, should Andre have been world champion? Yeah, you got questions, we got answers. That's right. Uh, And anything less would be uncivilized. Anything, (laughs) anything, really. So we're taking your questions here, and this one, the lucky winner for today is Mike Pru. Oh, congratulations, Mike. Mike. Good job. You got the same name as me. Prue. This yeah. is <laughs> Quinn yeah, Prue. Prue. That's my name. Yeah. And uh, his question here is something that actually did happen. Should they have turned Austin heel at WrestleMania 17? Quinn, your blunt, immediate answer. Yes. What? Yes. Mine as well. Yes. Now, you are a person that I, I think you didn't think that for a while, right? Or you didn't like that? 
There was a long period of time where I thought that that was a bad idea, but I'm going to explain here. Now, obviously, let's back up why this would even be a question to begin with, right? Like, why would someone ask this? Well, it makes sense because he was like the top baby face like forever. For about four years at this point, just about, right? And it wasn't like he was like washed up or people were like booing or anything. No, no, no. They just did it before like he even wore out his welcome. Yeah. And the arc of Austin, basically, as you all probably know, but if you don't, a quick refresher, he turned face in that double turn with Brett. You know, WrestleMania 13 had been heating up anyway. He went on to become the hottest act in wrestling throughout 1997 and obviously culminating in winning the world title at WrestleMania 14. Mm -hmm. He was the big draw of Raw and WWF in general, the Austin McMahon feud throughout 98. I always felt like he was the anchor of the World Wrestling Federation. Absolutely. yeah. It is quite remarkable how he so quickly became the center of that program. Meteoric rise, they would say. Right. right? He was all over it. Honestly, I didn't really... I couldn't believe it. Not that I didn't think he was going to win the title at WrestleMania 14. Right, everyone but like, knew I that. couldn't believe that they would market the entire company around this bald guy in, a, brilliant. in a black Speedo. That's, all, like, <laughs> that's essentially all it was. WCW did the same thing, by the way. Bald guy in a black Speedo yeah, around the same time. The different bald guy, yeah. too. A uh, different Speedo, hopefully. What? So, Austin has a killer 1998, you know, in terms of popularity, in terms of just being over everyone, being invested in everything. And that stretched all the way into 99. Then uh, Rikishi ran him over for The Rock and Survivor Series. He did it Series. for The Rock. He did it for the people. <laughs> I did it for The Rock. I did it for the people. He did it for us, everyone. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, that was I'm, also when Rikishi was good. Yeah. And then, like, he wasn't because he was, of that. Yeah, then like, he was never good that, again. That, like, ruined his character. <laughs> so stupid. It's true. Then he lost to the coach or something. Don't something bring up the thing. coach. We I, don't have time I, for to that. To me, that's how it's that works. Like, you, I forget everything. And then you lose to the coach. <laughs> then you lose to the coach. <laughs> if you lose to the coach, you suck. Even though I'm skipping the whole heel it's turn. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. That's a good way to, to bullet point it. <laughs> Ran over Austin, lost to the coach. That all feels like it's part of the same thing, even though it's, like, four years apart. It's so many years apart. Yeah. Anyway, obviously, Austin was really taking time off to take care of his freaking neck that had been broken for two years. Uh, so he comes back in the fall of 2000 and immediately heats right back up. They push him into the world title scene, wins the, the Royal Rumble. He's got the new music. Oh. I hate it. Whatever it's It's horrible. It's great. It sucks. When it's blaring after the heel turn, it's like actually really amazing. It sucks. So we all know the build to the Rock feud, and we all know the Rock match WrestleMania 17. It's fantastic. When Biscuit, my, my way, my way, punch my each other. Way on yeah. the highway. This time, yeah, yeah. I that. don't like you, Rock. And then <laughs> need to beat you, Rock. And then Vince uh, helps Austin win the world title with like seventeen thousand chair shots That's to the Rock. That's actually like one of my favorite finishes. Partially because of the fact that they kind of put the rock over in a roundabout way because he doesn't go down to the first oh six goodness. headshots. Yeah. And then, like, literally, Austin just goes, yeah. And that's just and it. then he's like, stay down. And then yeah. he just pins him. Like, it, it's it's brilliant, actually. And JR, of course, you know, Vince or uh, Austin is shaking hands with the devil himself or whatever Sold he says. Himself to yeah. the devil Great or call. something. It yeah. really was. And Austin turns heel, and that leads to a very confusing period of time for Austin because he's like this weird heel, and then he's comedy, which is great, and then the what happens. What? The little hat with Kurt Angle and the banjo and all this. Totally different direction for his character, but a lot of people have said, well, this was one of the reasons, and I don't believe this, that the uh, 
WWE have started to suck or slowly decline after 17. I don't think so. Not necessarily that. I think what people confuse is the fact that him acting goofy and not his usual serious self, that's like a heel act. That's like to piss you off because you're like, I want badass Austin. He's like, well, I'm not giving it to you. I'm going to say what and like play banjo and and stuff. Yeah, like be (laughs) just super silly. Yeah. Oh, kept that lady sing his song, dude. I, dude, I, come on, ever kept that lady sing his song, all oh, dude, I did. And I think really the main reason the WWF declined after WrestleMania 17 is not because necessarily of Austin's heel turn. I think it's because the invasion angle was horrible. That's that, one major it was thing. That to me. And just lack of competition in general. Lack like of competition. They, just stopped, they were like, why do we even have to like, <laughs> try? Like, we'll just get the ratings anyway. Yeah, that that's another part of it. I will propose this one um, theory to you, though, that I've that always bothered me since literally the day it happened. This is where I think they really went wrong, not in turning Austin heel. If you recall, Quinn, and you fans at home, the day after WrestleMania, that Raw, uh, Austin fought The Rock in a rematch in a cage, I believe it was. Wow. And at the, I, don't, I barely remember yeah, that. Yeah. And at the very end of the match, Triple H came out all pissed off. We couldn't tell at who. And everyone was cheering him because they're like, oh, shit, Triple H is going to fight Austin. And they were like all ready for it. But instead, Triple H comes out and beats the shit out of The Rock with Austin. And they team up and have the two-man power trip. Why would Triple H ever do anything that you would... I know. Like, he's so annoying. That's where... No, he is. Not even just as a heel or whatever. He's just fucking annoying. That's where I think they missed the boat, though. He he, should have feuded with Austin. Yes, as a face. Now, how would... That would just instantly turn him face if he, like, attacked Austin. The crowd was ready. I I swear, if you listen to that back, and hopefully I just dump it in here and I'm not misremembering things, I'll dump it in. The Rock is trapped inside the cage with Stone Cold Steve Austin When he comes out, the crowd's like rearing to cheer for him. He already lost to the Undertaker, right? The night and before. I was just gonna say that loss to the Undertaker would have been a perfect transition, right? To being face because he was like down and out. He finally got his ass handed to him. Basically. Exactly. Like the Undertaker killed him, and like, it was like, what the fuck? Why is Austin with McMahon? That was like the right. you were feeling that you're like, holy so shit! It felt like okay, it's time for some like massive yeah. realignment here, right? It's Triple H is gonna go on the right. side of the Rock for once. Yeah, and you know? I think that really hurt them because the Rock took time off right after that for a movie. Mm-hmm. He was gone like a lot of 01, right. and there was no big top face. That's it should have been Triple that, H. That's a really good point, but I, I don't know. Triple H is always in a position where the deck is never stacked against him. I know, like it, I know. That's like literally his character. I know. But uh, to answer the question, I think it was a gamble no matter what. What? But yeah, I think they should have at least tried. I really yeah. don't think that's no, what I don't sunk think them. It, I don't think it was a bad idea to do it. I just think maybe there was some surrounding circumstances. That's yes. a really good point about Triple H. I, I never even really thought about it. But, I hadn't either, honestly. Uh, but until yeah, recently. Yeah, if they had Austin Triple H feud, at least till The Rock got back. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just something different. Because remember, they literally teamed up as the two-man power trip. It was so stupid. It just felt like WCW. They win, like everything. Yeah, that's too. what I mean. Where, like, remember the NWO always winning and it just got old? Yeah, but now there's no WCW to do it. <laughs> so somebody else has <laughs> yeah, to do it. WWF did it. And then don't get me started on how they booked the invasion angle. That's the main thing, I think, honestly, now, that really took them you know out. What, you know what's really sad now that I'm thinking about it? Sure. 
Am I remembering correctly, or did Austin go with WCW at first? At the invasion, I think, And didn't then he? he, like, switched or whatever at, the, at yes. the very end. Yes. That type of shit, that was wrong. That was stupid. Because I could never understand why would, like, I know Austin was in WCW, but, like, why? Yeah, I don't know, because he just was. He, he was that, also in ECW, so technically, I guess he could have gone to any fucking team he wanted to. True. But, like, but that's the whole thing. That's where it got stupid. But the actual going for the heel turn to begin with... I don't blame them because, I mean, what, what were you going to do throughout 01? Have the same thing as 98 again? I don't know that that would have worked in all seriousness. Yeah. I don't know. know. Maybe now it would have. Now that we're rehashing a little bit, I think you're right. It's just uh, the invasion did really take a lot of steam out of just about everything. Yeah. I think even and though- had they waited like a year like, yeah. and had when Hogan was there and stuff. Oh, my it God. It would have been so much better. With, and Steiner and like all these other guys that came the NWO in. the NWO is like a variable That's inside, what I'm saying. inside right. of all this right. shit. Because like, they could have gone either way, yeah. right? So that's my answer on that one, Quinn. I think we're both in agreement that, yeah, it was worth a shot, at least, to turn him heel. Do you think, in any way, do you think Austin was diminished after, you know, going back face? Yes. Like, was he like, was like, well, why would we trust him or whatever as the audience? I think the flip-flopping between him turning heel and being goofy, and then Vince had the badass Austin again to help him fight the invasion, but then he turns on Vince, even though he had just aligned with then, Vince. then WWE's, like, face by the end of it, and then yeah. Austin's like, I'm back with him, but that, I'll, I'll, I'll bail him out at Survivor Series or whatever yeah, I think so. it was. That's yeah. what it was. I, that, I think, was all convoluted and horrible. But the initial idea to turn him heel... If they were going to do whatever, why not do it there? It's memorable, what for better or for worse. Yeah. I, I say fine. I'm fine with it as as like a standalone thing that happened then, but I I don't think it ruined anything. No, I just I think that's the way things should have gone. It was the next logical step, at, especially at the end of the Attitude Era. Yeah, and it had been three and a, three years of feuding with Vince. Yeah. Let's it, try it, something else. Yeah. It was fresh at the time. It was so. fresh at the time. Uh, we got time for one more question here. It's from a. A first time, long time. It's Dave Van Antwerp. Oh, Dave. You know him. Yeah, yeah remember I, Dave? I Mr. 1982 himself. Yes, that's right. Uh, his question here, should Vince have offered Hall and Nash better contracts to keep them from leaving the WWF in 1996? Should he have? Yes. Could he uh, have? Could he have? No. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the short answer on that one. I mean, yeah. did he want to? Yes. I'm sure he did. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so obviously, the story on this one is simple. Hall uh, gives his notice in February of '96, I think. Something like that. Shortly yeah. after being taken off TV or vice versa, whatever it was, you know, and he was taken off. If the- I recall, um, the story goes is that Hall alerted his friends what the deal that WCW was offering. Better than Sting Money or something right, like that, yeah, right? Some, some shit like and that. And I think Sting Money back then was seven hundred and fifty thousand a year, right? And which so, is high for wrestling back and then. And so they had a bar; they knew what they could get. And yeah. then, so Nash says, "You know what? Fuck it! Like, I got a wife and kids at home. I gotta like very smart if guy. I, if I can make business. more money, why wouldn't I do it? And work less too was so the other part of the deal. He, go, he goes, he negotiates with Bischoff. He gets he gets contract in hand. Yep. And then, to his credit, as like a person in general, yep. as like a good employee. He brings the contract to Vince and says, Vince, just give me one more dollar than this, and I, I'm good. Like, that's it. Yep. Just give me one more dollar. And Vince couldn't do it. But if I don't, if I don't know if I'm making fucking 210 or 600, fuck, then you, you're living on ravioli. Mm-hmm. And I'm not living on fuck. I said, fuck this. I'm having a kid. And I got a guy that's telling me, come over here. We, walk, we work at the same drive through window. Yeah, granted, fucking it's Hardee's, but... <laughs> We'll pay you twice as much for half as many shifts. This is an interesting question, though, because obviously the implication is that, well, if Vince could have kept him there, the NWO never happens, and then mm-hmm. WWF doesn't have this war on their hands for two years. But Just while we were talking about yeah, that contract, yeah. just one question for you. Yeah. Do you think that the fact that Nash 
went to Vince and, you know, was open with him about what was going on. Do you think that they left on good terms? Oh, as far as I understand, he did leave on good terms. Because of because he was yes. he was he was good enough to do that. And I think Hall left on good terms also. You gotta remember, Vince prominently featured them. Uh, in MSG, the whole house show loop up to May when they yeah. both left. Nash was in the main event right. of the April pay-per-view and the May, his last show, yeah. he was in the main event. And I it. guess it's no wonder they were welcomed back in 2002 when WCW, yeah. was, they were, it was like Vince didn't care that they left or whatever. Well, they were no Jeff Jarrett's. For well, that. that's true. Yeah, well, because they were two cornerstones of the uh, the hard era for Vince, like 93 yeah. to 95. They were both there. Right. And they both were big stars, you know, during their period of time there. So I'm sure Vince appreciated that. Yeah. Personal problems with Hall aside. But yeah, Vince couldn't. I mean, Vince had to offer Bret Hart the convoluted 20 year contract yeah. later that year so, just to get it's him. It's like $1 million yeah. for 20 whole years. Yeah. That's like a ridiculously low amount. Well, I think it was $3 million, but either way, either way. Over, spread over 20 years? <laughs> that's like, saying. that's terrible. <laughs> right. That's awful. I know. Why did he take that? I don't know. But the way Vince. And all contracts really prior to Eric Bischoff's Ted Turner money where you'd get a guaranteed downside, which was on the lower side. And then you'd get based on the gate and, you know, merchandising and things that you get more money. But Bischoff changed the game there with almost like a sport where it's just guaranteed contract. Yeah, like football or something. Or like, baseball, it's like, right. No matter what, you're going to get $10 million. Or, Correct. Like, those numbers are big. No, but no, I, no. You know, for football, that's normal. Yeah. Vince hadn't been doing that. I don't know who the first contract was that he did that with, but it was very rare back then. I know Mark Henry was a big contract. Did Sean have a contract? I think Sean was making probably seven fifty guaranteed, but I, I don't even know if that's true, though. Yeah. I mean, he was the world champion. Right. Or going, going I mean, I would to hope be. they would pay him. Him and if, Brett. Yeah. Him and Brett were probably the highest two paid. Uh, but anyway, should he have? Yeah, but he couldn't have. Yeah. Have you seen 96 WF? They didn't. They weren't rolling in the I guess, dough. I guess while we're here. Since yes, we, sir. What do you think would have happened? Uh, if Vince, uh, you know, did offer that one more dollar to Nash because it was too late with Hall. So imagine Hall and Nash split up. Oh, I think we'd era. have a very different WCW, honestly. You think they still could have done NWO with just Hall and then Hall finagled and... somebody else in there as the as the third man? I don't know. Would Sean Waltman have had the same impact as well, Kevin Razor, Nash? Razor and Kid had an established yeah. relationship. They as we could've... know from last week on Action Zone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Crybaby match. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Would that have worked? I mean, DBS, all those other guys were still going there anyway. But without Nash, I don't think it works. Well, either Nash or without Hall. So I'm just it, just one or the other, just only one of them going. I don't think it would have worked. Yeah. I think you needed both. I, I kind of hindsight well, that is hard. set the foundation, right? It's like, yes. here's these two guys. Big names. Right. If it was just Hall for a bunch of weeks and then Hulk Hogan joined him, then it would be a little weird. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. They would have had to maybe use Sting or an existing guy there. Luger, Macho Man, Savage, yeah, yeah, maybe that. But I think that's a great question, though, because, yeah, you look at it casually. Why didn't Vince get him to stay? He didn't want him to leave. Let's put it that way. And also, he couldn't I mean, stop him. to be fair to Vince McMahon, who the fuck could have predicted the NWO? That's true. Like, that was so shocking to everyone. That's involved, a good point. And that, like, that would be even a thing. Yeah. Like, who? I mean, even at the beginning of it, you didn't. You couldn't fathom that this would be literally like the biggest thing in the wrestling industry in like 10 years. Besides Jim Londos. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Always Jim Londos. But, but yeah. I mean, honestly, to, to Vince's credit again, the last time those two were in WCW, they were the Diamond Stud in Vinny Vegas. So, right. What in, did he, Vince, in there his was no mind, way to imagine yeah. that, that, not even just Vince McMahon, probably even his aides around him, yeah. people, his, his accountants, people in charge of the finances. Patterson. You know, that, that, Pritchard, I just mean people in charge of the money and saying, like, is Basil. This, contract worth it or yeah, whatever. I yeah. agree with you. No, yeah. but 
That's a good question, Dave. And folks, if you have any questions for us, be sure to go to our Facebook group. There is an announcement with the spreadsheet link, the whole spreadsheet, Quinn. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. for them. You can just dump those questions yep. right in there. Dump them on in there. But folks, when we come back, we are going to dump two more names from the Royal Rankings into the pool. And we're going to find out where they rank. It's the Royal Rankings of WWF Intercontinental Champions. And that is coming up right after this. Take a look at some tips for a general Italian accent. Later on in the hour, Robbie V, it's me and you. Yeah, you got the privilege of wrestling the Vin Man. Hey, Van Hammer couldn't even answer the bell. Now, I know you've been in the locker room telling everybody you're some martial arts expert. Hey, if I had a dollar for every one of you garage-taught martial arts experts I smacked around, I'd be in the Fortune 500 right now. Tonight... On TV, you got the Vin Man, live and in living color. Hey, Hammer didn't answer the bell. Pray to God you don't, because if you do, the Vin Man will do the same thing. One, two, three, Robbie V. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, here for episode number 133, here on Monday, June 10th, 2019, Quinn, did you know that we have a Patreon? I don't know if you know. Do we have that? Yeah, we we have that. When did we sign up for that? Uh, October of 17, I think. Oh, man. And since then, folks, we have been providing extra content. If you like the show and you want to support the show, we give you more stuff in return. Oh, that's why I'm here, <laughs> yeah. you know, every Wednesday or whatever. That's why you come over to record stuff with yeah. me. Yes. Oh, I, I remember That's now. right. Okay, now, Patreon, yes. Patreon. Now, folks, if you, if you want to support the show, you can. You can do that at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. We don't try to take your money and steal from you and rip you off it's three tiers two dollars three dollars and five dollars two dollars is going to get you the raw video which means every single monday when the new episode comes out there's also a behind the scenes video of us actually recording the yeah, show you get to see what goes on when we're recording the show yeah like can, that which is not too much but it's there's, enough. there's things it's, it's enough there's stuff in the there's shirts obviously <laughs> we're wearing shirts there's things that hit the cutting room floor sometimes so you can check that out for two dollars now if you add one dollar to that that would be for three dollars not only do you get the raw video every single monday but every other week on fridays you get the 19 82 live reviews, Quinn. Right. And we are ending, we are close to the end of 82. Oh my goodness. We're, are we heading into December, like the next yes. time we do it or whatever? December of 82. And then it'll be 83, folks, and we're going to keep going. Holy moly. This is where you watch it along with us. Every two weeks, we release a video and we're watching Championship Wrestling in order as it aired. Starting in January, we are all the way in December. It's fun. There's trailers sometimes that uh, Richard Land puts out. Now, don't forget the rewinds every week now. Yes. Those are free. If you want to check out what this 82 business is about. Yeah, we have free ones. There's free ones on our YouTube page. Just, Just you, look ha- up, you have that. Look up. Yeah, it's free. <laughs> yeah, you have YouTube. So you can check that out. And also, the full Monty is only five bucks a month. You'll get the raw video. You'll get the live reviews. But you'll also get a copy of the full Monty. Yes, a copy of the movie, the full Monty. Uh, and in addition to that, every single month, Quinn and I release a full, like, two, two and a half hour podcast where we are reviewing in order every single WWF pay per view. And the one coming out this month, any week now, any day now, WrestleMania 3. The big one. The big it's, one, it's, literally. It's a hoot. <laughs> yeah, it's a real hoot. It's a real hoot. And that's a full podcast, though. Now, there, is there 65 or 93? What does Meltzer want to say? Uh, Meltzer says 78. WWF says 93. You guys can pick what you want. But if you want to pick patreon.com, 
slash OVP podcast. Just feel it out if you want to. There's no contract or anything. If you want to just donate a couple of bucks for a month, see if you like the extra stuff. And if you don't, that's fine. It really is a fun time. It really is. Honestly, we do our best to make it worthwhile. Uh, and that's again, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But Quinn, this season, our Royal Rankings and Royal Flush are the WWF Intercontinental Champions. We got some nice feedback on our uh, our last two episodes about that. Oh, yeah. The people the people like it, right? Yeah. They, they like these Intercontinental Champions. Yeah. Well, the IC title was a beloved title for a lot of its run. And the uh, Worker's Belt. The Worker's Belt. That's right. And what we're trying to do is nail down the top 10 and bottom 10 of all time. Now, this week is the rankings, which means it's the good ones, the top 10. It's the big boys right here. It's the big boys. It's and where they play. <laughs> they do. And a reminder... These are all voted on by the fans, meaning if someone makes the list that you don't like, we didn't pick that person. It just means more fans did than the person you like, if that makes sense. We didn't do it. We didn't do it. There's like 40-something contenders for the best and worst. The top 10 of each made it. And right now, Quinn, the rankings for the best are very simple rankings. At number one, the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time as of this week is Brett the Hitman Heart. Wow, congratulations. Good job, Brett. He earned that pretty quick, didn't he? He did. Uh, number two, though, no slouch. It's the bad guy, man. Razor Ramon. Hey, y'all. You don't know who I am. <laughs> no, they do know who he is. What I am. <laughs> what does he say? I think, therefore, I am. So, <laughs> without any further ado, why don't we go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now... Nothing but garbage here. Nobody beats Mr. Perfect. <laughs> Nobody. I remember when they were changing your body pants. And the ultimate winner denies himself no victory. That's J E double F J A double R E double C. Because Shawn Michaels is the undisputed Intercontinental Champion. There can only be one champ. And it's me. Shake, rattle, and roll. I don't care about the backstroke up the Mississippi. Woo! It is the Royal Rankings, week numero two. You know, every time I hear that, Mr. Perfect, yeah. you know, nobody beats whatever. I, I think nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. <laughs> nobody. You should, you should put that You should put, <laughs> put that in the next version. <laughs> well, folks, it is round two of the Royal Rankings now. We've run down the rankings they are very simple bret hart number one razor ramon number two that's all there is to it right it's a now. short list it is a short list and we're gonna see uh, who else has drawn for this week without any further verbiage here why don't we all find out who drew number three this company will never ever be the same again Chris Jericho. Christopher Jericho. Yeah, I don't have anything witty to say. It's just Chris Jericho. Lionheart. Chris yeah, the Jer- Lionheart. That was definitely what they called him in WF. You better right? believe it, jerky. Yeah. Uh, so Chris Vivian. Jericho. Yeah, Vivian Garcia. <laughs> Harold Finkel. Now, Chris Jericho has the distinction of holding the Intercontinental title quint the most amount of times. Would you call that dubious? Is that is that the right word for I, it? No, Gorilla Monsoon would call it dubious. Is it good or bad? I guess you could read that either way. We'll yeah. have to get into the reins. Now, Chris Jericho, obviously, before he had a big gut and was in AEW and all that stuff. Right, and a hat. And a hat, yeah, before he was dressed like Michael Hayes 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, he, it's, it's his look right now, Jeff. <laughs> a lot of his WWF career, not all of it, uh, was marked by being the Intercontinental Champion. He was constantly the freaking Intercontinental Champion. But not the good belt. 
<laughs> That's the only problem, right? Dumpy belt. He had this shitty 98 and onward belt. Yeah. Now, when Chris Jericho came in, he came in in August of 99. We all know that. He immediately is in the IC title scene by the end of the year. Right. And he uh, defeats, of all people, China. <laughs> yes. What a victory. <laughs> At Armageddon. Jericho pulling China back to the center of the ring. Oh, he's really sixed it in now. The Intercontinental title hangs in the balance here. Puts it right to it. December of 99. Now, wasn't, it, wasn't everyone kind of ready for that? Like, I was. Because yeah, you didn't like that. I don't like China. Yeah, you know, I, Sorry. I must note this just because note it's it. on my list here. Go ahead. You know China that she won the title in something called a good, good housekeeping, housekeeping match? match what does that even mean? From Jeff Jarrett. Well, maybe we'll get into that yeah. one day, but yeah. it's it, I didn't like it. Can I just put it that way? <laughs> <laughs> but now, because of booking... Uh, and this wasn't Vic Russo, by the way. Bro. Chris Jericho and China were co-intercontinental champions for much of January 2000. This was stupid. I hate that. <laughs> it's like, why don't we just make Jericho look like dumb? Yeah, that's what they <laughs> did. Co-champions? That's not a thing. <laughs> it's not. What's the precedent well, for that? Remember when no. um, Remember when the two girls were the women's champion? Um, Layla and Michelle McCool? That was after this. I know, I'm but saying, I'm, I'm what just was the saying, pre- this is the precedent for that. This is the precedent for Lay Cool. Lay Cool. Lay Cool was good. <laughs> Lay Cool is good. Jerish China. Jerina. Chinaco. <laughs> that's what they. That's, <laughs> that's what they, they would have called, called it now. <laughs> and it's funny because Jerisho is a thing, and yeah, Jericho really had a million is. of these. I'm surprised that that isn't something. But here's the thing. Uh, it, Royal Rumble 2000, Jericho wins it for technically now his third reign, I think. This counts as his third reign. So, on wikipedia.web or whatever their site is, it calls this, like, the first reign, him with China and by himself. Oh, good. Okay. So, the, technically, it's the second reign is when he gets it by himself, like, separately. Okay. So, his second reign <laughs> is Royal Rumble 2000. He defeats China and, of course, Hardcore Holly in <laughs> that, a triple threat match. Intercontinental Luminary. <laughs> Then Angle wins it. As we all know, Angle defends the Eurocontinental title at WrestleMania right. 2000. Chris Voldemort wins the IC. However, Jericho wins it from him a month later. Great reign there. Yeah, well, that was weird because wasn't the whole point of that Eurocontinental thing was so that, like, they would pass these belts? Yes. But, like, then just Jericho, like, flip-flopped back to <laughs> yes. the, somehow. I don't get it. And then, of course, after uh, Chris Voldemort wins it from Billy Gunn at Armageddon 2000. <laughs> Billy Gunn. Me? Yeah, the one Billy Gunn. Jericho wins it back from him at the Royal Rumble 2001. So that's a great career progression here. Jericho wins the Intercontinental title at uh, Rumble 2000 and wins the Intercontinental title at Rumble 2001. Really, really moving up the card. Although, to be fair, after this, he would kind of like at the end of the year. Move up. Yeah, yeah, finally, he's out of the scene. He loses it to Triple H a couple of days after he's WrestleMania. That guy who really needed the, That's inter- what I'm the saying. Intercontinental title in 2001. See? This is why he shouldn't have turned fucking heel. It was yeah. right after Triple H turned heel and him and Austin, like you said earlier, won everything. It's so bullshit. Bullshit. Anyway. Jericho actually stays out of the IC title scene for a while because he was the uh, first ever undisputed champion. Well, you had to make way for such people as Albert and Lance Storm to win. <laughs> this is inter- true. I mean, there's really no room for Chris Jericho in that time period. <laughs> and then Jericho briefly holds it again, defeating Rob Van Dam in September of 2002. Loses it to Kane like two weeks later. Who cares? Yeah, ironically, guess who won it <laughs> from Kane after that? Let me guess. 
Triple H? Yeah. <laughs> Always on Jericho's coattails, I suppose, for the Intercontinental title. Seriously. And then it was deactivated a while. It was merged. That with, was stupid. I know. I, I agree. It was merged. How many with times like, has Vacant been the champion? He should be on the top He should ten. be. <laughs> Jericho wins it back in October of 03. We're really getting somewhere with his career, aren't we? But he loses it the same day or something like that. <laughs> Less than a day, Rain. Gets <laughs> Andre Damme. the Giant of the Intercontinental title? I guess so. He's like everything of the Intercontinental <laughs> title so far. I, I, I can't think of a scenario where he wasn't champ like some weird scenario he's always is in every possible way yeah. edge had it for a while in 04 but it's vacated in september Jericho had to beat vacation so, over there whatever so Jericho beats vacation aka christian in a ladder match at unforgiven 04 he was the representative <laughs> yep holds it for a whopping month uh loses it to <laughs> shelton benjamin ben jobman and then you know jericho goes on does other things uh leaves in 05 when he comes back he uh, defeats Jeff Hardy for it in Jeffrey. March of 2008. Yes. yes. Now, we are getting into serious uh, Jericho <laughs> territory here now, Quinn. Yes. Speedo. Uh, Short hair. and A dumpy stomach. And, what, <laughs> and what's his face was with him? Lance Cade, remember, for a while as his crony? Remember Lance when Cade, Cade was with him as a crony? That Mur- really has been. Murdoch not around anymore? Was Murdoch that was, yeah. They like thought yeah. Murdoch was the shittier one, but your, he was actually favorite, good. Joe. I like Murdoch, man. <laughs> I thought you liked Cade. No, I like Murdoch. I thought you thought Cade was going down because of Murdoch. And you liked no, it the other way around. Murdoch's awesome. <laughs> Don't ever fuck with Murdoch. <laughs> Both of them suck. Murdoch. <laughs> anyway, Jericho, because he just had to, wins it again in the summer of 09 when everyone cared about everything going on from Rey Mysterio. It was, that hot, was cool. it was a hot scene back then. Yeah, and then he lost it three weeks later to Rey Mysterio. Yeah. And that was it. Now, I got to say something. I know he got a lot of votes. What was good about this? That he was champion a lot. I think is that that's, it? That, I think that's the main argument is how could you not have this list without, I'm guessing, the most reigns and the longest reign, right? I mean, like, that's probably what people vote for. Yeah, and he definitely has the most reign. He right. has the most hat now, too, as yeah. you said. Got the most gut, too. <laughs> the most looking like the Joker. Most sparkly shirt. He's going to win most abs. Most pants. <laughs> now, Jericho, uh, in the early days, I mean, it would have been great if he had, like, a good run with it, but he didn't. Like am a I, long run. Am I missing good stuff that he did? I might be, folks. I'm not pretending to be an expert on, um, like, the early and late if 2000s. If I recall, he had some good stuff with Steve Regal. Or William Regal, for that matter. Well, WrestleMania 17, he had the right. match against him. That was okay. To me, that was like probably the height of him being Intercontinental Champion. It was because it was treated like it was like a normal Intercontinental title reign. It was like, oh, he for had a feuds bit, yeah. with people and like, right. you know, he defended it against reputable folks. Yeah, it just is weird, though, that he wins it from China. Then they're like, no, you're co-champions. And then he has to win it again. That was just so doofy. What a dumb yeah, way to it's, start it's a, a fucking bad, reign. It's really a bad foot to start on. Yes, it is. Yeah. A bad foot. That's correct. Yeah. It is bad, but um, <laughs> honestly, here's the one thing, the good thing I can say about it. Okay, let's hear it. It does say something about Chris Jericho, the performer and experienced wrestler, that it seems like they gave it to him a lot so that he could put over the next guy. Because there's a lot of young guys. Yeah, like Triple H. <laughs> I'm just talking about during this time period, like RVD, for example, or Shelton Benjamin. That's true. Shelton like, Benjamin, was a that was a good one. He lost yeah. to Kofi Kingston once. He did. The WWE yep. champion. Yes, he did. Kingston. He did. His 08 reign ended at the hands of Kingston. I remember Lost that, actually. that hot newcomer, Rey Mysterio. Well, <laughs> I think the thing with Jericho is that even though he had the IC title a lot, I think when I think Jericho in the WWF, I mainly think of him as the world champion, you know, the undisputed champion. The unified great champion. Yeah, whatever. I think of him also as the guy that had that hot feud with Triple H in mid-2000. The Royal Rumble, like, can't survive without him guy. No, like in the later he, years. Like, where it's like, oh, they, he just, like, directs traffic. Yeah, that's literally all he <laughs> that's did That's literally, he's like a crossing guard. Right. Rumble every year. 
dressed like one too. Yeah. Uh, and I also think of him as the uh, the guy that reinvented his character in 2008 and had that awesome feud with Shawn Michaels. Oh yeah, you know his reinvention actually it was uh, really good. I'm listen, not gonna lie. I know some people like. The first reinvention, the reason they don't like it, I think, is because the first one where he didn't talk or something. You remember that one? Text your friends, take a picture, shoot a video, send an email, call them all and tell them that the sexy beast is back, baby! That's not necessary. And then the second reinvention was actually good. The Serious Jericho. Yeah, the Serious Jericho was the really good one. Not the yeah. one where he tried to be 99 Jericho, but he had the short hair and the vest. Right. Not that one. But he still had the short hair when he was Serious Jericho. Yeah, but he didn't have the vest. Right. He had the short tights. No, no, vest. no vest. He had the glowy coat, though. Yeah, he had glowy coat. The one where he fought Michaels and they feuded. Remember yeah. that for a couple of months in 2008? I'll say this about Chris Jericho. I mean, being the Intercontinental Champion this much, and this is actually just probably in general Chris Jericho thing. Yeah. He's a... um resilient wrestler um he's been through a lot oh, yeah. in his career i don't want to ever take that away from him he's been through so many characters and he's always come out as like a pretty reputable superstar like he's never i've never seen him been treated as like a real joke other than like when he first came to wf like that yeah like that's right. it yeah and to be fair to him i know we're poking fun at him a little bit but i do give him a lot of credit for for doing what he does yeah. whatever that's worth at this age he's 48 years old you can tell I appreciate that. Since we have a minute to appreciate Jericho, yep. you can tell that Chris Jericho is a guy that just wants to put people over. Like he, oh, of course, that, yeah. That's why he went to Japan. He that's why he went to the, the, business. Yep. the Indies and Absolutely. now AEW and stuff. He he has a respect for the business, and I think that's probably a big reason also why they gave him the Intercontinental title so many times. It was it was kind of just like this solid, dependable, worker. solid, dependable. It's like he can hold it until we want to put the next guy over. Yeah, like that was like kind of the idea. I think he's a great worker, an all timer, not like best all time, but like right. an all time classic worker. Really, like I literally think he's a Hall of Famer, if oh, anything, for sure. Yeah. yeah, but we'll have to see where he ranks in terms of Intercontinental Champions. But now, Quinn, it is time to find out who drew number four. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. The cream rises to the top, Quinn. When's the Macho Man? Right now at number four. He's here. He's here, baby. Randy Savage, folks. He got a lot of votes. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. Now, let's talk about Randy Savage, the Intercontinental Champion. This is this is the polar opposite of Chris Jericho. Right. It's, it's one long reign. <laughs> one long reign. Actually, I believe the second longest ever. Yeah. Eclipsed only by Honky. Right. And it's barely also. And you can thank uh, Khaki Pants for it. Yep. It, the Pretty Bo- much. That's, that's the excuse in canon. Yeah. In Boston Garden, February of 86. Yeah. Uh, Danny Davis was wearing khakis, and Savage defeated Tito Santana. That's all there is to it. But for some reason, Gorilla said that this was was there was some gaziness about it. Pulled something out of his tights and whacked him with it. But the khakis, he said Danny Davis's fault or whatever. Well, they retconned it in that it was Davis's fault. Yeah, later on. That's crap. His pants don't make it. Make they are off putting though. They're bad. But why couldn't he just have the uniform on? Like, what the hell is his problem? You saw how he works in 1982. Maybe he just got tired of the stripy shirt. He looks like he was tired of everything. I know. By 86. Tired of wearing long sleeves, probably, too. Probably, yeah. He had to, though, because yeah. he was too, you know, he was he had tattoos or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, Savage had burst on the scene, you know, that summer previously, in the summer of 85, immediately just hated Hulk Hogan, as we always like Good. to say. He just comes in, he's like, I hate Hulk Hogan. If he's Fuck a heel, he should hate Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I'm better than you are. You know, all that stuff, right? He was right? a macho man, and he had a, yep. had a lovely lady with him. Yes, he wasn't of course. really a macho man. He no. doesn't become one until WrestleMania he 7. Won. Wanted to be a macho man. Yeah. 
He wrote that song, actually. That you know, the village people. That should have been his entrance music. <laughs> Imagine how <laughs> how that would have fucked everything up. Yeah, it's so macho, macho. Imagine him like the emotional moment of Miss Elizabeth at WrestleMania Seven is like, macho, macho, macho man. Somebody should like like on YouTube just put that song behind the entire like that WrestleMania Seven. <laughs> That's stupid. What an emotional moment, macho, macho, macho. Man. <laughs> Elizabeth with her arms outstretched. Tears flowing down. Yeah. Look Anyway, he uh, he couldn't beat Hogan for the world title, so he figured, fuck it, I'll just win the other title, and I'm going to treat it like the world title. Right. I'm going to treat it like it's more important than the world title. And that's what he did. He's like, Hulk Hogan doesn't have the Intercontinental title. Well, I do. If it's on me, it must yeah. be important. He never let go of the Hogan thing, by the way, yeah. which is no, the best he never part. Did. He was always obsessed with Hogan, even it's while true. he was the IC. So he wins this thing, right, with the chicanery, something in his, his tights, yes. nether regions, was, I don't know. Yes, a little um, mach in his tights. Co- and some cock. Uh, khaki, <laughs> yes, cocky, cocky pants, and, <laughs> and what's his first big feud, Quinn, at WrestleMania two? Oh, um, George the Animal Steel. What a great thing! <laughs> Why was that feud so long? By the way, it's the whole f- brain. See, okay, listen, uh-oh, folks. Uh-oh. I let's get into it now. I love the Macho Man. He is great. He's one of my favorites. But fuck, does this rain suck? Other than the end, like there's nothing going on. Is that really true? Yeah. I'm trying to think seriously. I mean, who was he fighting? Uh, he, George stealing it up all year. Well, yeah, I don't know. What was his big feud? I'm sure he had rematches against Santana because that was commonplace. Mm-hmm. He fought Ricky Steamboat like earlier before WrestleMania. Yes, he did. Right? Of course, he did. And that's what led to Larynx or whatever. <laughs> yes, that's what led to the whole got, feud. Got a, got a lot of heart, according to Hulk Hogan's <laughs> doctor or whatever. <laughs> got a lot of throat monsoon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in, in all seriousness, what like what what did he do? Um, what am I missing? Maybe I am missing something. I hate to say it, but it's like, I think we all remember this fondly, mainly because of how he lost it. Not because of the actual rain. Yeah, I mean, I know that he had a lot of rematches against Santana. That's fine. I know that the Steel feud persisted throughout 86. I don't know if it was on and off or what. But what I'm trying to reconcile in my mind, because there weren't as many pay-per-views back then. He wasn't at the big event because they were on a different loop you know the that yeah. was the b circuit to his credit he was like kind of a main eventer intercontinental champion meaning he main evented b shows and stuff but, he did that's yeah. true they were able to build that it around like him. he was nothing but he the problem is with the rain is that there's nothing to write home well there's a lot to write home about but it's all about the very last match of the rain yeah like, that, 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 that <laughs> that's true now didn't he feud with bruno in the midst of this rain too i'm pretty oh, sure yes he did. you're right in late 86 what a great feud for the Intercontinental Champion, the young upstart. <laughs> well, like this old fucking. That's where um, Bruno called him a piece of slime. Remember? Yeah, and he beat You're him up happy the- about that, you piece of slime? And, you? <laughs> and he beat him up in the back or something. Yeah, Bruno beat him up yeah, in the back. Exactly. Yes, of course. I'm so proud of myself. You oh, piece of slime. You're happy about it. But you're right. I mean, in terms of big marquee matches as Intercontinental Champion. One comes to mind, and it's the one against Steamboat. Right, and to be fair to it, it was developed um, pretty far in advance, right? I, 
months in advance. Yeah, Oct- several months. I, I forget what the little ticker on WrestleMania three says. Does it say October? It's or something like that. It was late eighty six. Yeah. yeah, it was. There was a long build to it, but I mean, I'm pretty confident that he was just fighting like mainly George Steele throughout most of eighty six. Unfortunate. And into 87. I know that he was still fighting Steel in 87. I know now, that. There might be something to be said. Well, why do people think of him as such a great Intercontinental Champion, right? Is it just that it was uncommon in a time period where there was so many big stars sure. for somebody to hold on to a title this long? Because I don't think it was uncommon because Hulk Hogan was like the champion. The yeah, I mean, what was the longest reigning IC champion before that? Probably Pedro. Pat Patterson, actually, maybe. Actually, honestly, somebody, somebody already had it longer than him because his reign was 414 days. Yes. Uh, Pedro had it for 425 days. No shit. Did he really? Well, I mean, we're living the nightmare. <laughs> We've been living the nightmare for two years. Okay, so I stand corrected on yeah. that. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a couple days more, but it, it still. Well, I guess when we get to the ranking time, we'll talk more about it. But in terms of the, there's not much to report on on big matches other than obviously an all time classic great match well, against then Steamboat. We should report on it, right? Because I mean, that's yeah. that's going to be probably his biggest. That's asset. the defining moment of his reign, I think. Right, besides yeah. winning it. So you want to go into the backstory here for people? Yeah, I mean, who don't know. Yeah, he had a match with Steamboat. I believe it was on Superstars. That's what it says on the yeah. WrestleMania 3 thing. The Superstars of, of wrestling. Back then, yes. Yeah. Uh, more on Superstars later on in the show, by the way. Right. And uh, he basically attacked him after the match, was it? With the ring bell um, and against the guardrail, and he broke his larynx or whatever yeah, it was. broke his throat. Broke his throat, broke his Adam's apple, whatever the case may be. They did a whole vignettes and everything. Recuper of abilities. Ricky Steamboat, is he, he's got... He's a lizard or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like, he's got powers. So he comes. I mean, he is a spiritual kimono dragon or whatever, according to Well, Cannon. that's true. No, yeah. you're right about that. Yeah. So when he comes back, he's hot for revenge. He's hot for Savage. Everyone's into it. This, this dragon's breathing fire. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Savage has been dealing with George Steele for like literally a year at this Throwing point. Flowers in yeah. his face, getting flowers thrown in his face. Turnbuckle um, stuffings. You and know, it's the whole all line. about Miss Elizabeth. Oh, it's all, of course it's about Elizabeth because Steele is just like. Kind of like an obsessed stalker with Elizabeth. Meanwhile, though, Liz is just yelling, Oh, Randy! Yeah. Like, the and, whole time. And Savage treats her like shit, of course, right. too. Oh, but anyway, so we build up to this big match at WrestleMania 3, Pontiac, Michigan, of course, and uh, pretty intense pre-match promos that we really like. Oh, you know? man, history beckons the Macho Man is one of my favorite yep. lines and of ever. Course, new Horizons! New, <laughs> new Horizons! <laughs> it's good. Yeah, but if you're watching the other version, horrible (laughs) that ruins that promo honestly because the whole point of it is is he goes new horizons and then it's like do 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 like it fades into it the way they do it and it's like excellent i will come away with the championship belt and see new horizons so anyway obviously they have this match match and it's an all-time great match Seriously. In my opinion... Um, One of the best modern things, you know, I'm talking... You know, to me, it modern started wrestling. modern wrestling. In a um, way. Personally, to me. In North America. Um, but it also, I would say, as far as intercontinental title matches go, it might be the greatest intercontinental title match ever. I think some would say either that or the latter match. Or Mr. Perfect versus Bret Hart. No, I don't think... A lot of people put that I, in I'd my say, regards. I'd even say I like this better than the latter match. A lot. I like this a lot better. Yeah. This feels... Okay, so why this match is so well-regarded is, I think, because it feels like a world title match but it's about the intercontinental title and you don't re- you don't seem to give a shit about well, what title it is you're just like this feels so important that's it, a point in savage's favor right Quinn. and maybe that's why 
people's impression of Savage ultimately is that he's a great Intercontinental Champion is because, man, they must be fighting over something important to have a match like this. Right, and the big deal was when Steamboat won, too. Right. And, of course, George Steele was there. Yeah, hanging around like an orangutan yeah. or whatever. Remember, he was like doing the monkey motions, yes. like as like this glorious celebration, and he's like hanging around, like uh, chewing like, the scenery, like if it's you will. Monkey bars on the cart thing. He's horrible. <laughs> he is atrocious. Savage has to like kick him in the face. That's amazing. He's horrible. <laughs> hey, hey, there's the animal. The animal snatches the bell. and he gets nailed by the champion. <laughs> Well, I think it's ranking time because now we can really discuss the merits here of of where each man belongs. Okay. Just a reminder, this is a tough one to remember. Number one, Bret Hart. Two, Razor Ramon. Okay, that's where we're at. Huge list. So where are we starting Jericho? I mean, against Razor, obviously, Mm. right? Yeah. He can't just top Razor immediately. We got to talk about this. Now, okay, so you know what's a weird comparison about these two? Is that the, the time of their, you know... The relative time of the reigns. The I know where you're going. The relative time of the reigns, they were like the most champions. Yeah. You know? re- like, they, like Razor was the first four-time champion. Yes, he was. Absolutely. So like, I, I I know that like third reign or whatever that was. <laughs> it was two days or yeah, something, yeah. and it didn't really matter. But still. But Jericho he, had a lot of those, too. Yeah. Now, to be fair to Razor, though, I remember they used to harp a lot on like four times. Oh, they yeah. were like always like, it's such a big deal. Yeah, I know. It's such it was. a big deal. No one had done it. Four-time champion. Even though that one didn't count. It was like an accident or something. Yeah with him and Jarrett, but what may, what would make Jericho better than Razor overall as an Intercontinental Champion? Quantity. Is that it? Um, That might be it. That might be it, because it, Seriously. It, ser- he, Razor, how many good Intercontinental t- title matches did he really have? Let's be fair to him. Well, I'd say the the Michaels. Yeah. Clearly, right? Right, that, but that's like the best one I can think of. The Diesel at SummerSlam 94 is very good. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Jarrett is good at okay. Rumble 95. He's the Jarrett's good. good at WrestleMania 11. Jericho, um... Consummate, oh, wait, he didn't have it at 11. That cons- doesn't count. Yeah, consummate professional Chris Jericho. Absolutely. Um, The whole point of his title reigns was to put newer stars over. And Triple H. And Triple Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and Voldemort you or have whatever. To, yeah. yeah, things like that. Now, Jericho, folks, forgive me if we forget. He might have had some really good matches on Raw or at these pay-per-views that we're just not thinking I'm positive of. he did. I'm and positive they're matches you and me watched. Probably. And they, this is not a discredit to Chris Jericho for not being a memorable Intercontinental Champion. It's more of a discredit to the fact that from like the mid-2000s onward, wrestling is they just so... It just, be- they treat the belt like garbage. They treat the belt like garbage, A. And also, a lot of things just meld together. The older you get and the less things stand out to you, you know, if that makes sense, there's a pay-per-view all the time you know, and it, title matches all the time. It's a shame that Jericho didn't have a feud with uh, Umanga during oh, all his runs because... Umanga was an IC champ, wasn't he? Right. What I love like, Why I'm saying that is is because like Umanga was very memorable. Yes, yeah, uh, Umaga he, is memorable. Yeah. You're right, he is. Or like Santino, for example. Memorable. But Jericho was no. like out of the picture like, yeah, during that time. Yeah, during a lot of that time. He he wasn't there when Santino debuted, that's for sure. And I would say... Milan Miracle, Jericho. Oh, God, that was horrible. Yeah. Come on, that wasn't good. Yeah, but to me, that's the base of his story. Of course it like, is, yeah, Maria and yeah, all that. Yeah. But all right, back to Jericho, back to Jericho. Razor Ramon was uh, for the belt. I think he was like a very credible champion. I think Jericho was too. Yeah, I think Razor really, I don't know if I want to say he even defined what an Intercontinental Champion was, but kind of. He was a good face Intercontinental Champion. A yeah. solid Intercontinental Champion. You know what ultimately it's going to come down to, and I don't think Jericho's going to rise above Razor Ramon, 
It's just because during Razor's time, that title was more important. Yeah, and, that, that's, and that's the that's bottom part line. Of it. It's like that is part what of what Razor Ramon was doing felt like it was like a big important thing. Yeah, especially just, the feud with Michaels. Just like how we were talking about Savage. It's yes. like yeah, he feuded against nobody, but that match at the end. Yeah, it's like it felt like this is the most important title ever. Well, that's a fair point, Quinn. Yeah. And and that's not necessarily against the wrestler. Although a wrestler can definitely elevate a belt. Well, I think, it, it, you know, your performance does dictate it, you know, if... To an it, extent, yeah. though. It's just, sometimes you can't rise above the booking. If they book your belt like shit, what are you going to do? I'm just saying, if you keep do? having... Here's the one thing where the performers can kind of dictate, sort of, sort of where yeah. they go. Vince McMahon says, you only have five minutes, right? And in that five minutes, you blow the roof off tear the, the house down yeah, right even and people on tv are like this is great true like they want to see more of you then the next week Vince McMahon said okay you have seven minutes now okay fair. And, then it, and then you know so on and so forth and then all of a sudden you're getting 20 minute matches you're triple h you know <laughs> yeah and 10 minute entrance yeah now were they doing anything like that with jericho i mean a lot of these reigns are very brief and barely had a chance to no. be anything it's just numbers and on I a page i will say this about chris jericho not that i don't think he tried i don't get the impression that this meant much to him like, yeah, this I don't was know, just Quinn. the thing that he did in the process of getting to matches on Armageddon and, like... Pay-per-view paper, in general, Yeah, right? like, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think of Chris Jericho, even though I know he had it a lot. I, like I said earlier, to me, his WWF run's not defined by that. I know he had it a lot over a 10-year period. Right. But he's more, to me, the guy that was the first ever undisputed mm-hmm. champion. He was the guy that feuded... Like I said, the guy that feuded with Triple H, the guy that came back and reinvented himself. That... That Chris Jericho. Yeah, I, I, I identify him with the world title. Me too. In that he, scene. I don't even know how he snuck in all these Intercontinental title reigns like, among all, <laughs> amongst all that. But And I just think Razor's a more memorable Intercontinental champion. Right. I think through sheer like quantity, like you said, like gross tonnage, Chris Jericho is memorable because you think, oh yeah, he had it. You know yeah, what I mean? I mean, I always think of seeing a picture with him holding <laughs> yeah. the dumpy belt. Yeah, like, the dumpy belt. Right. Not, like, th- that's the other thing too, is I always associate him with that belt. Right, no, I do he too. he held it the most. He held it the most. But I always think of it as this vague, like, yeah, he had the title, but I don't remember shit about it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and... Okay, okay so Chris Jericho, number three. I think so. I like Razor better I, as a we'll champion. see where Chris survives. Yeah, so. we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's gotta, not like he can get bumped off this list. No, he'll be at number 10 he'll at the worst. He'll be on the list, you know, Jericho <laughs> yeah. with his list. Jericho just made the list at number three. Yeah. But now the macho man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the macho man, huh? Yeah, the nacho so, man. Definitely better than Chris Jericho. <laughs> Like, without saying, right? Without saying. Because of memorability alone? I mean, Chris Jericho owes his career to that match. You think so, huh? He says that. Well, he true. says, like, literally, I saw this match and I imitated it and, like, made me want yeah, to Yeah, that's true. You're right. You're like, right. Him and Edge have both said that separately, that they didn't even know each other. Right. Like, they both, that, that was a thing. Okay. So, and, and besides which, I mean, again, nine reigns, but none of them really mattered. Savage had one and you knew that he was the fucking Intercontinental Champ. People know when he won it. People know how he won it. They People know, how know he where. Lost it. <laughs> yeah, they know how he lost it. Maybe the in-between is a little grayer, which might be a mark against him. We'll have right. to see, but I would easily put him above Jericho. Now, there's going to be people, Quinn, that say Savage is the greatest of all time, but we got to in- incrementally go up here. Against- well, here's the thing. It's also science. Oh, true. We have lab coats on, folks. Yeah. It's true. Beakers and stuff like that and microscopes. Look at the Patreon to see if that's true. (laughs) Now, let's put Savage under the microscope here against Razor Ramon. Yeah. What are we doing here? Because both of them have a all-time classic Intercontinental title match. They both have at WrestleMania. I know what it's going to come down to for me is that it's Randy Savage's is the, like, establishing of the belt. I think you're right. I do agree with you. you We didn't say this, but the match Randy Savage had with Ricky Steamboat and his reign in general, though. 
his reign. His the way he carried the way himself he treated as the champion. It in interviews, yes. maybe not in matches. That's what I mean. But it, when he got to this match, I think after that there was a general. People wanted the Intercontinental title to be important after that. Like the the, the fans kind of willed it after. They were like, if the, if this epic struggle happened over the Intercontinental title, it must be important. And it was important for about ten or more years. Right. And I I truly believe that it's mostly established off one fucking match at WrestleMania three. Like the the attitudes towards it. Well, I mean, certainly, I wasn't around at the time, but I don't think that people were as hot for like Pedro. Maybe they were in Morocco. I don't see it on the TVs we're watching. True. You know, they all act like they don't even know he's the champion. He wears a <laughs> fucking belt under a coat. <laughs> it's not like he brags about it or anything. But now Tito and Valentine had a really hot feud, Quinn, to, to help establish the title also. Let's be fair there. Yeah, but I, I think the mainstream you know, fan really, after they saw that match, they're like, the Intercontinental title must be important. You think so? Oh, yeah. You don't You don't think you're overstating it? You think Savage? I, I, I agree with you to this. End. I see what, what was going on before then. I've yeah. watched the matches. I, I, you're I, right. I have to. I do see a lot of fire between the Valentine and Tito That's feud. That's a great feud. But it's more of a house show feud, too. Well, yeah, everything was back then, though. Yeah, but I mean, that, especially that one. I, I think of it. I think of the dingy arenas with that, with that th- match. And I think a feud between those two, the way they were doing it, even if there wasn't a belt involved, it still would have been a great feud. Right, yeah. I think the way Savage treated the title from 86 to 87 is he lived and died by it. It was the most important thing. Yeah, he said it was so important. He and elevated the belt. defending it against George Steele, but... That's yeah, not his fault, but yeah, he elevated the belt. I think you're right. I think he raised the profile, and I don't think it was just WrestleMania three. I think his overall reign and the way he carried himself yeah. as the champion. I think of him like the one of the founding fathers of the Intercontinental title. That's you know? fa- okay. You, you know what I mean? Like, I like he, that. He's like, he's always going to be elevated because he's the guy that made it seem important. He might have uh, put it on, he might not have put it on the map, but he blew up the picture of the map, perhaps. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, he, I, I, he expanded the was, view of there it. There was guys before him like Donald P and... Donald and, P. Morocco, yeah. Greg H. Valentine. You right, know. and Tito S. Santana. H. Ross Santana. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> yes, I agree with you there i think he did do a lot to elevate it uh, i don't think chris jericho did yeah <laughs> i don't know that razor ramon did i think razor ramon razor ramon was milking what guys like savage and brett and, and perfect and yeah, uh, all warrior those, all those people had established Sean. yeah i think razor was an excellent perfect timing perfect guy to be the intercontinental champion razor carried the legacy perfectly well. like, like he wasn't really like, well yeah. yeah really well yeah jericho was just keeping it afloat like, yeah, and that's I, but that's when that's yeah. during the era where no fucking title mattered except the big one. You know, right. like most of that time when I Jericho mean, there was had two that. world titles, that's what I'm saying. And only one of them mattered. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This this was a once you know the secondary title at the point where Jericho had it most of the time. You got U.S. titles, you got hardcore titles. Some of that time, you got two <laughs> worlds, and no one gave a fuck. European title. Who even <laughs> clapped when there was a new Intercontinental Champion from like 2002 <laughs> to like 2013? When did anyone actually give a shit i know i know it's something that grinds your gears too because you're like even more than me you're like you love the intercontinental i do because it used to matter and savage is one of the reasons why it mattered you're right i'll put him above razor yeah but against bret hart yeah this okay this this is is tough this is where sorry this is where the problem comes with savage and i'm not gonna be biased here because you know i love bret but yes but this is where the george animal steel matches catch up with you (laughs) because savage has everything else going for him right but but he also has the best, arguably the best match at a WrestleMania ever. One of the best. He has. He also has the best Intercontinental title match. In Most my likely. So yeah. he's got that in his corner. However, um, there we go. Brett has a higher quantity of higher quality matches. Higher quantity of higher quality. Yeah, I agree. 
Savage, Savage has, has one. Brett has like twenty. Well, like, let's see. In terms of the matches, Savage fought Tito Santana a lot. I've verified this in the meantime. I've looked on uh, Graham Cawthorn's website. You know, history uh, of WWE. Did you, just did you whip out the actual book? No, I don't have the book near me. We, but we do have the. I book. have the Graham go, book. Go get the book. Yeah, get the Graham book. Uh, but I did scroll through casually. Did a cursory review here. He fought Tito a real lot the first few months, mm-hmm. which were probably great matches. I don't know if I've seen many. He fought George Steele a real lot in '86. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, and he fought a uh, Bruno. You know the feud with Bruno, that. and then he had the Steamboat feud. Right, not too fantastic. Now, had Randy Savage been in a position to have four pay per views a year mm-hmm. to wrestle on, don't you think he would have brought it? Well, here's the thing: is that I assume on the Who Show circuit he brought it because those were his pay per views. A monthly this is true. MSG stuff. And the Boston. Yeah. And the Philly. Boston Garden where he won it. Yep. Oh, in the Boston Gardens! <laughs> yeah. Every time. Every time. And that was all televised. Now, Bret Hart, on the other hand, had big peaks in terms of his moments as Intercontinental Champion. Now, I will say this. He, to me, he'll always be the Coliseum Video Intercontinental Champion. Yes, Quinn, but it, that's, it, it's a lot. That's a bit of a stretch because... There's a tape with like six Bret Hart Intercontinental title matches on the show. Well, he defended it a lot. All in a he row was a fighting on champion. top of you know, I don't duck anybody. You know, <laughs> and he, here's all my matches. <laughs> here's all my good matches. And I thought I could have a good match with the Warlord. But he did fight a lot of people. Uh, when he won it from Perfect, that was a great match. He had yeah. good stuff. He had Skinner match a Tuesday in Texas. I don't know. Sleep you always on like one. to bring up, bring up the Skinner. Skinner. I, I knew you it's were going to do that. It's a good match. Yeah. The DBS that we talked about. The DBS stuff was good. He had the uh, the feud with the Mountie, which was whatever. But he had the Piper match at WrestleMania right. 8 when he won it back. He had all the shit with Michaels in the spring and summer of 92. Right. He had the freaking Bulldog match. That's a high-profile IC title match. I yeah. mean, so he's got a lot of notable stuff. And I think he's also memorable. I think he's a guy that, I know we don't do Mount Rushmore, but if, if I was to make a Mount Rushmore of Intercontinental Champions, he'd probably be on it. Well, we did once. I don't remember who we had on it. I would truthfully. think Bret Hart's on there. You think so? I don't know. I would imagine so, along with Randy Savage. I think we're going to catch a lot of shit right? if Savage winds up under Bret Hart here. I just think that the science points to it. Like you really do, because you, you just heard all that evidence. I mean, like, that's match quality only, though, right? I mean, that's what it we is discussed. match quality, but it's called the worker's belt. Well, I mean, because and of because guys of like Savage Randy and, Savage and Brett. So here's the guy fulfilling like everything Randy Savage, the standard he set. Like, do you think Brett? Um, and, and and mind you, he set that off of one match, not the entire reign. True. Now. I'm going to say this, though. When we were talking about Chris Jericho, I was saying I don't believe that Jericho is defined as Intercontinental Champion. When I think of Bret, I think of Bret Hart, the five-time world champion, yeah, truthfully. Well, to be fair, when I think of Randy Savage, I think of the two-time world okay, champion. Okay, yeah, me yeah. too. All right, that's fair. So, <laughs> I'm just trying to think here. Bret Savage, Hart, Bret Hart yeah. was such a fighting champion. He, his defenses were dynamic. Like, and he, he fought so many different kind of people. He did. Savage fought so, George Steele a lot. Yeah, Savage fought an animal. And like, like, that was literally the character of the person he fought. Now, I'm trying to make arguments against Brett because I just don't want anyone to accuse me of bias, okay? I know you don't, like, you feel like you're being biased, but I think, like, you in, think this, Brett's just better? in this particular case, the evidence stacks up. Again, not that I don't like Randy Savage. Like, I like Randy Savage better than Bret Hart in general. I don't, but um, yes, I know. But, geez, you can't argue with the, that stacked line of... Med- you gotta remember, this is the time period where Brett was trying to establish himself. He and, and we've talked about this, about how during this time he thought this was the highest he was going to get, so he treated it like a world title. Randy Savage, he, on the other he hand... He treated it like a world title, though, too, Quinn. Savage. Randy Savage did. However, 
I always thought that he turned it up a notch once he once he was in the world title picture. Maybe. Like as far as his quality, it got even better. Well, his character got really ridiculous too, especially yeah. in '89. His character got better. I thought his yeah, quality thought got so. everything got better when he moved up. The Intercontinental title was. It might sound bad and heresy for Randy Savage, this great Intercontinental, cha- but the Intercontinental title for him was more of a stepping stone. <laughs> it I was guess, ultimately. Quinn. I mean. While he was futzing with George Steele. Retrospectively, it was for Brett, but no one knew that at the time. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. Is But at, at the time of Randy Savage, right, people thought, right, you know, Randy Savage could stand up to Hulk Hogan. There's right. a reason they called him the Mega Powers when they started That's tag true. teaming. Brett had a clamp on the scene, on the IC title scene, for a year. I mean, it was a brief interruption between January and April of 92. But other than that, between August of 91 and August of 92, that's Bret Hart's scene. Uh, and man, was he good at it. Yeah. Now, he treated it like it mattered, too. Savage did a lot to elevate the title, and Bret Hart kept it there. I don't know if he elevated it more, but Bret Hart did not well, to me, Bret Hart, diminish it. Bret Hart put a lot into the legacy of it, whereas Savage established. Savage established. Fair. Bret is like a guy that... You called it the worker cell because of people like Brett. Brett and like Sean. Savage established it with a stellar match, one match, and the importance that he treated it with right throughout his reign. Right. You really think Brett's better? I'm struggling like with this I, one here. Hey, I. It's weird for me to think this. You know that, but I. That's true. Quinn's not a big Brett fan. Yeah, but I can't argue with the quality and quantity of Brett Hart versus Randy Macho Man Savage, especially when we're talking about the worker's belt. Like, I, it's really hard to argue with that. So, to sum it up, I guess, basically, they both hit checkboxes in keeping the title important. They both did something important for the title. The title but both did something important for them, too. Different things. Yeah, right. They did different things, but I think Bret Hart is, he's the more consistent of the two. Brett just nabs him in overall match quality, memorable moments, yeah. things like that. You think that's what it is? Yeah, I really do. You really do, huh? I mean, people always say him beating Mr. Perfect was like, at the time, for people who saw match. it live, yeah. like it was a big deal, you know? His two wins are gr- both great. Yeah. And his loss to Bulldog is great. His loss to Bulldog his is stuff excellent. in between all of that is great. You're right. It's science, folks. Oh, man. Wow. I, I know you don't... Listen, I want to put Randy Savage number one. You just can't find a way to? I just can't find a way to do it. It can't be a one-match pony here, is what you're saying. If Brett Randy just... Savage had one other good match, I <laughs> yeah. might elevate it. Like, right, I'm right. not even joking. Well, like, this, he had the Santana rematches. They're probably good, but if they were nobody, really good... No, nobody yeah. seems to ever care. He had that match against Jake Roberts in November of 86. Say, that was did, good. Did that happen while he was in the yeah. final champion? Yeah, I'm sorry. It's been an event. Uh, it wasn't I mean, like does, an, that, does that merit any consideration? <laughs> really. Yeah. It was good. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, and the Bruno feud, don't forget. But yeah, all right. If you really think the Bret Hart overall... Yeah, is but, a, oh I, I can't believe we have to say it, but it's... I'm fine it's with staring it, us right I think. in the face. I, 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 we compared them one-to-one. I, I don't know what else to say. You're right, Quinn. We did do a fair comparison It's not comparison like we were there. like unfair... I mean, I thought for sure Savage might go all the way to the top on this, honestly. I thought, you know, I thought this before we had a list. Personally, I, I mean, it probably did Brett favors in ranking that he was ranked first, that he's there to be there, and then, okay, now you have to actually compare him. Yeah, well, that's one of the things. Champions advantage sometimes. Once you're there, you got to build the case for someone to take the right. spot, too. Yeah, you know, exactly. that's the way it works around here. I mean, here. Brett's a fighting champion. It's only <laughs> it's only right that he fought off the challenger, Randy Savage, this time. You know, I thought Macho Man was a great Intercontinental champion. I yeah. thought I could be a good Intercontinental champion, too. All right, so we're officially locked in? Yeah. All right, folks. For week number two, 
of the royal rankings. Maybe some flack on this one. Believe it or not, hey, if there's flack, there's flack. But look, tell us why at least. You know, if you just yeah, tell us why. Don't just say you know because well because he's better. Yeah, like, that's why not is a, he? That's not a reason. Let us know. We're we're fine with hearing that. Maybe we're not thinking of something. It's really okay. Let us know why you think someone might be better. But right now, the rankings for week two at, at number one still the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Bret Hart, number two in a close call. Brandy Macho Man Savage, number three. Razor Ramon and number four pulling up the rear jerky is Chris Jericho that is the Royal Rankings of Intercontinental Champions again let us know who let us know why do that on Twitter do it on Facebook or you can email us but Quinn when we come back it's superstars but I've never seen any of these superstars I don't know what this is all about oh that's superstars (laughs) that's coming up right after this You know, nobody's looking more forward to this match with Rick, Nature Boy, Flair, and the boy toy, Shawn Michaels, than me and the Macho Man. We are looking forward to settling this thing and showing you who's in charge. Right, Macho Man? You guys think that you're wild, but you're not as wild as the Space Cowboys, Uh the Hitman, and the Macho Man. We're way out there, yeah. The boy toy and the nature boy don't hear it when it comes to the Hitman and the Macho Man. It's like men playing with boys. It ain't gonna happen because you guys can't hold up your end. You guys aren't what you think that you are. We're gonna bring you all the way down. It's gonna be a rude awakening for you guys, but we know it before it happens. And now we're going to prove it to you, aren't we? You got to be bold to wear the gold. And when you step in the ring with us, you'll be excellently executed. Right, Madness? The pink and the black and the macho man doing the thing. Dig it. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the retro wrestling podcast here for episode number 133. And before we review something, some superstars, if you will, I want to shout out some superstar podcasts, Quinn. Superstars of their own. Yes, uh, in their own right, in their own. Will. That's what you say. Yes, you in can. In their own right. In their own right. Uh, there's three friends of the show that we want to give a shout out to, and you can check them out too if you'd like. Let's start with a wrestling podcast about nothing, WPAN. It's hosted by two guys that have actually worked in the wrestling business. You know, Quinn and myself are members of the wrestling media. Only the media. <laughs> Just the media. Just the media. And <laughs> although one of those guys on that show is now kind of media since he's retired. Or yeah, so Mike Crockett is a retired uh, independent referee, and he's yeah. a great guy, and he owes a great show with ROH's own, an actual wrestler that actually wrestles the brawler, Brian Malonis. Wine City Whaler. The Wine City Whaler. in some circles yeah, in the circle. New England Matt Wars. <laughs> That's right. And they bring their perspective as guys that have worked in the wrestling business but are also fans of professional wrestling. They take that, they'll do some current, some retro interviews with people from those said New England Matt Wars. Fun show. Check it out. It's the wrestling podcast about nothing. Comes out on Mondays. And on Thursdays, Quinn, that's a happy day for many people. A lot of people rejoice on Thursdays. And no, it's not because you have one more day until Friday. That's what I thought. Yeah, no, no, no. It's oh, because this is something else. It's the day greetings from Allentown comes out. All right. When, the, uh, the critically acclaimed. Critically acclaimed. All the critics clamor on yep. Thursdays. They get all excited. Absolutely. It won a potty award. <laughs> yeah, potty. <laughs> potty. Uh, it's when are we, we should, it's, if there's a potty award, we should apply for it just because of the name. Yeah, yeah, I don't even care if we win. <laughs> That'd be great. Pete Winston hosts Greetings from 
Allentown. It's a great one-man show that you you don't need two of him. It's just one guy. And <laughs> you definitely don't you need know, two of him. And he walks you through an episode of old wrestling, but he does it in a very distinctive way. He takes the scenic route through an old episode of wrestling. It's very scenic. Let me put it <laughs> to you that way. Such a scenic show. It's, very, it's the most scenic show on um, the Potosphere. What, yes. What do they call it? Terrestrial yeah. podcast. Terrestrial podcast. You can have all these marketing pitches for free, Pete. But really, yeah. folks, check out Greetings from Allentown if you like pop culture and if you like old wrestling. And also check out, if you like your retro wrestling deep fried, you can check out Book Into the Territory with Mike Mills and his crew. They do two shows. One of them is about Smoky Mountain, and the other one's about the NWA slash WCW. A really fun time, and it's south of the Mason-Dixon line. Right, that's the show with the, they're in the thing, and there's all those flags and all that. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, the thing with the flags. (laughs) what I remember. It's our Southern Fried Brethren folks. Uh, they keep it very classy. They are the unprofessional wrestling podcast. So again, our three friends of the show are the wrestling podcast about nothing, greetings from Allentown, and booking the territory with Mike Mills. Now, Quinn, we're reviewing something here. Uh, we are, and it only involves one flag, and yeah. it's the Canadian one. <laughs> yes, it does. I think. Maybe even. So this needs background, or else everyone's going to be lost, including both of us. This is called uh, George Cannon's Superstars of Wrestling from February of 1983. Who the hell is George Cannon? Very good question. George Cannon was a wrestler in the 60s and 70s, known as Man Mountain Cannon, Crybaby Cannon. And Crybaby Cannon. Crybaby Cannon. Yes. I get that name. Because <laughs> he had like this thing where he could make it look like he was crying. He used his sweat glands in a certain he way or something. He a diaper match or anything no, like that. No, that's later. But anyway, he was a wrestling promoter in the 70s and into the 80s uh, out of Canada, Windsor, Ontario, Canada. And he also was involved with Montreal before that. And around the time that the original Sheik's promotion, Big Time Wrestling, kind of went under in the early 80s, he also hopped into Detroit somewhat, from was, what I believe. Uh, he was raiding. Raiding Detroit. Not necessarily raiding, but Rebel I think... Rebel promotion. <laughs> I don't know that he was an outlaw promotion so much as he just kind of capitalized on the fact that there was a vacuum. Uh, so he basically worked the border area of the U.S. and Canada, meaning Ohio, Detroit area, and then also Southern Ontario. Get his permits, you know, <laughs> going across the country there. Yeah, that's right. You need that. Uh, you need that visa. Yeah. But anyway, he uh, he ran this show called Superstars of Wrestling for several years in this area in this market. And in 1983, before what we're seeing, but mm-hmm. in 1983, you might have heard of Vincent K. McMahon, have you not? Yeah, I heard of him on this freaking show. Yeah, you've heard of him, right? Yeah. yeah. Familiar a little bit with I, Vincent he, McMahon? He's, he's okay. He's okay. He's done a few things here and yeah. there. One of the things he did in the early 80s, as you might know, folks, is that he started to, quote-unquote, work with regional promotions, uh, which eventually led to Vince, quote-unquote, buying them out or kicking them out. Quote-unquote. Quote-unquote. Uh, the Tunnies, you know, out of uh, Toronto, he started working with in 84. They sold to him, and he had now his monopoly on Toronto. Never fucking again <laughs> would there be Toronto, not WF. <laughs> exactly. Now, George Cannon was a slightly different deal. Cannon entered into an agreement with Vince McMahon in 1983. Vince just wanted the fucking time slot, obviously. Mm-hmm. Cannon didn't really know that. I don't know if he was leery of it or not. He was Cannon. He Why was Cannon. He was the Cannon. Who better than Cannon? Yeah, exactly. Why would he give up his time slot <laughs> right. there? But Vince did uh, start working with him under the assumption, the presumption, that Cannon would be his regional promoter for that area. Well, push comes to shove. Vince basically forces him out. His services are no longer needed. They're going to do it all from you know New York. Right, do it right. all from home base, which we is... Got, we got this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can handle this cannon. Don't yeah. be a crybaby about we'll, we'll it. switch up your cannon. You're right. But Vince got the time slot. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm still trying to really nail this down. This Superstars of Wrestling should have become the Superstars of Wrestling 
that turned into Spotlight. So there is a WWF oh link my God. here. Wait a sec. This is the Spotlight Superstars of Wrestling? I think so in the sense that when WWF entered in in 1983-84, they started filtering in WWF stuff, such as Hogan versus Sheik aired on this show. Interesting. And Vince eventually just filtered out all the regional aspects and turned it into WWF. So I think, and you can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong out there, I think this became the pre-Spotlight version of Superstars, which then, of course... Which we reviewed. Yes. <laughs> became Spotlight until 1995, and, um, and yes. Yeah, and unfortunately, we reviewed Spotlight as well. Yes, we've done that with Ian Mooney and yeah. all that. Was that the one with Sherry, actually? Yeah, of course. Okay, Sherry's that, great. That one is good, actually. So now that we've established that, let's finally review George Cannon's Superstars of Wrestling, February of 1983. So, time to review the third Superstars. <laughs> exactly. Is this the annoying one that prevents us from having WWF Superstars on the ah, network, show? Very good question, Quinn. Is, so, this, is this this? No. So How? <laughs> How is there more? There is How more. How many shows had this name? <laughs> because the WWA's Albert Patterson... <laughs> When are we reviewing that? We got to find that. He successfully got his hands on the Superstars of Wrestling trademark and has been going back and forth in lawsuits with the WWF on and off for years now. Why is he still? Can I ask you an honest question about this? Sure. Does he realize like the longer he holds out or whatever, the less value this shit will have? (laughs) Yeah, probably. Like nobody's going to care by the time he gives it up. He thinks he's good. (laughs) Albert Patterson thinks he's good. How how do you get this trademark? What actually tell me? what it's all about okay first of all uh, trademarks is a business you go out and you buy trademarks and build trademarks wf superstars hasn't been on it forever <laughs> and, and the only other one is that that one that was on the internet or something yeah like, just superstars yeah though, it was it, called not that, of wrestling that, which is just some like two matches that they yeah. and they were like during the five hours of Monday Night Raw right. that they filmed. <laughs> right. But so that's a story on all of the superstars. And if you have any more info, please let us know. But Quinn, we get a weird negative image, like drummy intro to start Inverted here. Inverted colors, you mean? Yeah, yeah, negative image. It sounds like somebody's banging trash cans <laughs> or the announcers on like a rotary phone. Yeah, it's poor. <laughs> all, everything <laughs> is poor, Joe. It's very local. It's live and local, folks. And we actually, no fucking around, Quinn. We cut right to the first match. It is Tito Senza. Who? I don't know. Versus Dino Bravo. Because, of course, it has to be. You gotta have Dino. We're somewhere near Canada. <laughs> this idiot's gotta be around. Yeah. And we're gonna have to deal with him the whole show, aren't we, Oh, Joe? yeah, he'll be here. Uh, so we look to be in a high school cafetorium here. I don't know what this room is. <laughs> Not even is. the full cafe or the It's the where they auditorium. do, like, assemblies, but also you eat in there. Yeah, I know. We, we, we had one. one. We had one at our school. Now, Quinn, the hard camera angle I noticed, and I know you did, too, is crooked, which is already, like, a negative strike <laughs> against yep. us. And the top rope goes up to the wrestler's boobs. <laughs> It all basically looks like shit. Yeah, it doesn't it look good. bad. But it looks like what you might expect from a regional promo in the early 80s, no? No, WF's a regional promo in the 82s, and that's only a year before. That's true. And, I mean, it looks so a it little world- better than this, even in its, like, shitty days in, like, February of 82. True, and World Class looked better, too, right? Yeah. Mid-South. And NWA. Or, yeah, or, so everyone, yeah, basically. Right. <laughs> everyone looked better than this. This is, it's one step, up, or maybe, I'm going to say it's, like, a quarter step above Grand Prix in the curtain. Oh, it's better than the curtain and yeah. the electrical outlet with the conduit and all yeah, that where you're like what does that go to the whole time you're <laughs> the just toaster looking at oven. that yeah <laughs> anyway dino bravo looks like dino bravo with dark hair he right, still has right. a dark hair apparently the announcer is quinn the promoter himself that is george cannon 
he's mumbling like <laughs> incomprehensibly. In fact, all through my notes, oh, my version of notes, I just called him Mumble because I never knew his name. I never heard him say his name. He I, didn't. I, just, I had to dig deep, Quinn, to find uh, these uh, things uh, out. Uh, you know, uh, I'm the researcher. That, the commentary is awful it's on great. this. Uh, no, don't no, listen to Joe Quinn. likes it. It's I hate fine. it. It's terrible. Tito Zenza, who weighs 244 pounds, and Dino Bravo at 248. So between the two, there's very little to choose in actual weight. But as you can very well see, the bodies are shaped a little different. Lockups go nowhere, of course, to start here. The ref has a very strong accent. He's like, one, T, D, and apparently Quentin Dino Bravo will be doing commentary later. <laughs> Can't How wait. do we not, <laughs> since like episode zero, we yeah. haven't escaped Dino Bravo. Since the pilot episode. It's insane. <laughs> so one thing I really want to know, Quinn. What is it? What are your thoughts on Dino Bravo? Uh... He's shitty. You know, like you know, you know what I don't like about him. What? He's like an earthquake, like goon. Yeah, yeah. He lands a sh- shoulder block and a hip toss followed by a body slam for two. Bravo looks good at least. He doesn't look horrible. I don't know. I have to say, the yelling from the fans is very annoying too. The whole show. Yeah, seriously, they're just drunk. <laughs> well, they're Canadians, and, and, and the ki- the kids are bored and the. The, oh, the wives are bored, and the and the husbands are <laughs> the whole time. The ring ropes are really loose, by the way, and it looks like this is a pretty small ring, like a sixteen by sixteen, maybe even smaller. Ring. Yeah, it's a pony ring. Yeah. <laughs> Sends the clubs away in the corner as it becomes very apparent that Dino Bravo is working as a face here. By the way, I couldn't tell. You that. <laughs> and actually, heels and faces were very hard to determine in this yeah. show for me. Very commingled. Yeah, you know, uh, we see an insert of Cannon announcing, and he looks to be a very friendly gentleman, Quinn. Was that, like, supposed to impress me? It was, like, a picture-in-picture? Yeah. (laughs) And George Cannon has a beard, if you care. I care. He he looks very grandfatherly. He looks like uh, Orson Welles when he was, like, fat and old. Doing the wine commercial. Yeah. Oh, the French! (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) seriously. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. Not for the he was so big, so big. Large what happened? He, you know, food. Yeah, no, but remember the the movie, the, the Rose Citizen Bud, Kane, and, yes. he's, and he's skinny. But like, why did that? That was like forty years before. That. Still, that's like a lot of poundage to gain. It's like one pound a year. Maybe okay. I, imagine if that was the actual progression. Be, I, I can understand. You can that, understand, actually, right? Yeah. Uh, Bravo gets two off a sunset flip and sends a bails back in. And Bravo tries an abdominal stretch, but can't lock the fingers in. As we see a shot of a very old man looking confused, and Cannon says, "An interested fan there." <laughs> interested fan there taking a look at the proceedings. Suplay by Bravo gets two. A big atomic drop gets another. And again, the announcer stinks. Uh, I don't know, folks. The whole time. <laughs> you'll hear clips and you guys decide, okay? <laughs> Quinn's providing <laughs> the one view. <laughs> I'm providing the other. <laughs> Dino with a front face lock submission, but sends a powers out. As a little girl is shown looking very bored. <laughs> it's true. She's just like, <laughs> It's true. You're right. Irish whip and Bravo with a nice drop kick, but Senza gets his foot on the ropes. End this! <laughs> so long! Senza struggles to his feet as Bravo dances around like a hiney dance. Cannon says that this is a 10 minute match. Thank God. Actually, all matches on the show are, he good. says. So how about, that is good, right? We don't, we don't I need like any that. more than 10 <laughs> That's minutes. That's fine with me. Big back suplay by Bravo finally puts Senza away. Crowd is excited because it's over, basically. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It was okay. I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't exciting, it, it though. It existed. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, the ring announcer happily announces Dino was the winner with a very French accent. Le Baker, Dino Bravo, the winner. 
get a hard cut here to George Cannon and a very perturbed-looking Bobo Brazil at the announce table. Why is he still wrestling? Like, what? It's uh, 1983. He's like from the 50s. Bobo Brazil. Yeah, okay. He's a Mike Francesa favorite. Bobo Brazil. Why is he there? This is 83. What the fuck? I don't, I don't understand why he's still here. Uh, but anyway, Quinn, apparently Bobo Brazil recently defeated Bobby Colt in Toledo despite interference by Big Jim Lancaster. Who are all of these people? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Bobo recounts how Lancaster and Colt were conspiring in the dressing room before the match. And now he's pissed, and uh, I stay in shape, and uh, the fans make me feel really good. As long as I have the belt, George, I know everyone is gunning for me. I got to do everything. I have to keep myself in shape. And I keep myself in shape by pushing away from the table. He has literally, like, no fire in his voice, so I don't even give a yeah. shit about anything he's saying. He sounds like he's discussing, like, doing his taxes or something. I mean, he could be an accountant at that age. <laughs> you know, they attacked me, and you want to get in there? Yeah. <laughs> That's how he sounds. And he goes back to doing, like, <laughs> bills, taxes. Oh, I can write this off. Yeah, That's yeah. nice. I'll get a coupon. Yeah. Back to the ring announcer who's doing the intros in French and English, but, like, he's alternating words. Is that Franglish? I don't know, like, what yeah, you call that. Yeah, the ring announcer is, like, Sebastian <laughs> from The Little Mermaid. My, I, I was half expecting him to just go, I'm gonna see! Like, out of nowhere, you know? <laughs> I have no idea who the first wrestler is. It's hard to understand what he's saying. <laughs> but he's wearing an Al Borland yes! flannel, like, literally. Yes, with the flannel? From, like, the first episode of Home Improvement. he's, like, two Proof. feet tall! And he's got short trunks and his hair is like Howard Finkel. He is so short, Joe. It's like, remember how I told you how these ropes? Like, yes. he's like under the ropes. <laughs> under, under the, the ropes. ropes. Yeah. His opponent is Gino Brito, who you might know from who? the 70s. Gino I, Brito. I may. I You don't. You don't. Someone Honestly, might. went from the announcement, I had no clue that his name was even Gino. Gino Brito. It was just like, Hina Hina. Like, Brito. Yeah, it was just like, excuse He's me? a water filter. Gino yeah. Brito. Anyway, Cannon helpfully clarifies that uh, his opponent here is George Gimon. So, who? I don't know. That's who. I think in my notes, I put like John G. Gone. That's or fine. Like I no, I, I it was something. I was close at least. And Quinn, of course, he introduces Dino Bravo, our guest commentator. Why? This guy just never goes away. <laughs> I like it. I don't <sighs> care. I gotta say though, in all seriousness, Dino sounds nothing like his nineteen ninety like earthquake that yeah, persona. He's not like a big heel. No, so he's, he's not like he's just like he's talking normally very casually there. Yeah, and he's not annoying in that regard. You think he tried to sell cigarettes to this guy? <laughs> What? Oh, shit. Too bad Dino never got to do a shoot interview. Yeah. Uh, Brito works in armbar as Bravo references Jimmy Snuka and how great he is. Yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> we, we watch it every week. <laughs> this George Guimon, Quinn, yeah. looks an awful light, lot like Joe Martin from the 82 WWF. Joe Martini. Oh, is he, he looks could identical? Could he possibly be Joe Martini? Identical. I, I looked mean, the ropes are a little shorter there, so yeah. he may look less small. Oh, maybe it's a thing here. Anyway, now Dino Bravo brings up how Lord Alfred Hayes used to manage Jimmy Snuka, and Cannon goes on to say that Snuka's problem is he doesn't speak English. Well, he, that was a pro- that was a legitimate problem yeah. for him until you know once Lou stole all. Yeah, money. and then of course you know Buddy Rogers taught him English, right? Right. And Lou Albano apparently screwed him over in New York. Yeah, they mentioned they actually mentioned I, I it. Was like, yeah, we know we, we that. know this. We've been yeah. watching this, folks. In fact, you know where we are? We're only like four months behind this. Yeah, this is like literally. February or yeah, something, Yeah, we're in November, right? December, 83. 82. Yeah. That's this cr- just that happened. crazy that we are like we are like the exact experts to review this yep. right now? <laughs> George Cannon, Pulse of OVP, let yeah. me tell you that much. Uh, Berto does some dumping leg work, so uh, possibly Joe Martin, I don't know, he bails out of the ring. I'm not going to lie, I literally forgot the names of the wrestlers by this point. I'm not joking. I, I just started calling them tall and short. 
Like, that, that's it. That's all I can get. I'm sorry, Quinn. Uh, back in Britta with a Greco-Roman into a monkey flip. More wrist lockery here. Now, Dino Bravo really likes Gino Brito, and he says he's his best friend. You know, they're Italian. They got this whole thing going on. But back up now as we keep seeing shots of what I presume are the French announcers in the picture. In picture. I didn't, the whole show, I didn't know if those were the judges or the announcers. I bet those were the French announcers, and one of them looks to be like 98 years old. Did you yeah. see that guy? Now, they, so kept, they kept showing them, so I wonder, was this one of those situations where they filmed the video and then they dubbed the audio differently for each thing, well, yeah, and maybe well, that's why? The commentary's probably recorded while they're there, but they just have it separated. And they, but that's why they showed yeah. two, so yes. it was like, I was confused until you said that, actually. That's what um, I think it was. Because the, the whole time they kept doing that, every single match where they'd show the announcers in the picture in the picture, or Yeah, whatever, the impressive. The, the, the impressive technical feat that they pulled yeah. off, um, they would always show the French one first, and then yeah. the second one, but they would do it like while they were talking, so you're like, what? What is this? Yeah. It's true. That happened. I should also mention that Bravo is doing commentary without a shirt, which is just unsettling. Like, put a shirt on, Dino. You're sitting mm-hmm. at the table here. Come on. Uh, Martin grabs a headlock. It's not even Joe Martin. Maybe it is. I'm calling him that. And lands a few punches, but Bretto nails a big chop and then a hip toss. I hate this. I know. Quinn. It's so boring. Five- this is like somehow worse than what we watch usually on 82. This is worse than... Well, because it's longer. All the matches yeah. are longer. That's yeah, why. Yeah, they don't fuck around on 1982 Championship <laughs> Three wrestling. minutes in and out. They don't, they're not like, oh, <laughs> ten minutes every match. Yeah, I know. Like, Five minutes remaining, though, as Bravo mentions YMCA I did something. hear that, too. I was like, what? <laughs> this is just, like, uh, adequately boring is yeah. the best way to describe it. Fake Joe Martin bails again. In a funny spot, though, Brito's counting along with the ref, and the ref gets all upset. He's like, hey, that's my job. That was kind of funny. <laughs> uh, back in, and we're still just walking around doing nothing here. Some women are shown half asleep. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. It's they're true. like Their eyes are, like, fading. It's like, like they're, they're, like, going down. Yeah, you know? they're just, like, looking on, like, trying to stay awake. Yeah. I've said many times before, he's the reason I'm in professional wrestling today, and uh, I've got many, uh, there's no way for me to thank him. Just to, the only way he tells me to, to thank him is to go out there and do everything that I've got, and I owe him that much respect. Hey, uh, guess what? A wrist lock. <laughs> Welcome to the 80s. <laughs> Seriously, like, you know, the one thing I will say, I feel like a little more conditioned for this. Good condition. We're just used to it now. Wrist locks and arm bars, right? Yeah, I mean, that's every match. That's what it is. This was a little bit more heavy on that, though. I yeah. Think. No, I agree. The wrestling work isn't really exciting. Yeah. It's really not. Uh, Brito toys around with uh, Gimon here, which amuses the crowd. Hey, I'm telling you, though, Quinn, the commentary is pleasant in like a PGA Tour kind of I way. I don't think so. I think it's pleasant. They're just babbling, and Mumble is so fucking incomprehensible. Don't ever make fun of him. He's horrible. George Cannon is a the great man. The whole show, he's like... He was a great uh, man, uh, well uh, beloved. Um, uh, uh, got hello. screwed by uh, Vince McMahon. Okay, there's Rich Lock. Uh-huh. Maybe Vince just couldn't hear him say anything. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's why he didn't put him on his show. <laughs> Irish whip here by uh, Guy Ledouche here, but he misses a charge and Brito puts him. Yeah, <laughs> Brito puts on a figure four up, crappy one too, which gets the win. Uh, this was not great. Live Vicor, Gino Brillo, says the ring announcer. Excuse me. I know. Hard cut to uh, Big George Cannon here with. Uh, Jim Lancaster, Quinn, there he is. Oh, there he is. <laughs> and Dr. Jerry Graham Jr. Okay. No relation. This guy, so he looks like Ric Flair. Like, like He you, looks a lot like Ric Flair. Like you had noted here. You, but, did, you did too. Okay, but here's the thing. Yeah. Is that I thought he was that other guy that they talked about before. I, I knew, uh, they said Dr. Jerry later, but at first I thought he was, who was the guy they said that Bobo beat up or something in the 
Buddy George Colt? Bolt or something. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Usain Bolt. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Something like George that. Bolt. So like this Michael was, Bolton. Like half of this, I was trying to like figure out who the fuck this Ric Flair guy was. I was like, is that Buddy Bolt? Or no, it's like, Jerry Graham Jr. Yeah, so confusing. No yeah. relation though to uh, anyone else in the Graham yeah. fake family or real family. Yeah, and it's weird because Mumble freaking said Buddy Colt, Buddy Colt, Buddy yeah. Colt, and then this guy starts talking. Yeah, it's and Jerry says, Graham Thank Jr. Thank you, Jerry Graham yeah. or Doc or whatever. And I, Doc, Doc Hendricks. Yeah, I have some. Trivia for you though. Big Jim Lancaster here. He actually trained Al Snow. What does everybody want? Hey, <laughs> do you think he thought of that for yeah, him? Yeah, he definitely did. Yeah. Graham denies any issues with that whole Bobo Brazil Bobby Cole match and says Lancaster's innocent. And he didn't do anything wrong. And I'm going to say, Quinn, Graham has charisma at least. I'll give him that. Oh my God, he's like world better. Brazil, you're on the run. You think your friend got hurt in California. That's nothing to what's going to happen to you because Jim Lancaster is the master of the big splash off the top rope. And that's just what we got in store for you. Honestly, this is the first comprehensible <laughs> English I've heard the entire show. And I'm not kidding. I know you're Dino not. Dino Bravo and Rich Mumble Cannon, they are horrid. Rich like, you know what I needed for this show? I need those old timey things you put in your ear. It would, you know, it looks like a gramophone speaker thing <laughs> yeah, at the yeah. end of it. Like, like I needed that to like understand because this PGA talk is, hey, is no good. It's Dulcet. George Cannon plays Gorilla Monsoon and, call, and basically calls Graham full of shit. And then he uh, he turns into Johnny V basically as he's ready. He's like, no, I'm gonna, you know, like yeah, the Johnny do, V rant, yeah, and hold him back or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Who are they going to believe? You or me, Cannon? I built a reputation of honesty, integrity, trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Jim Lancaster would not stoop to attack a man from behind. Lancaster says he was just helping out Bobby Colt out of the ring. I don't know. It's time for our third match, according to the ring announcer. Mesdames, Messieurs, notre troisième combat aujourd'hui, our third match today. Excuse me? It's Tony Rico. What? I swear from the, WF. Yeah, I know, and I swear the fans literally laugh at how shitty he is. Like it's like Tony Rico. The <laughs> Burlington Vermont at 200 livres at 210 pounds. The Tony Rico. And his opponent Quinn. Tony Parisi. Yeah, I remember him too from WF. WF, Bruno's cousin. So all, basically, this is championship wrestling in Canada or whatever. Or yeah, Detroit. Canada. Or whatever. Yeah, Canada. <laughs> sorry. It's not the same Canon, though. <laughs> no. Handshake to start, not a lockup. What is this, Very Ring of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> they feel each other out and walk around for a bit, these two guys. Hey, two Tonys in one match, but who's the boss? <laughs> Seriously. Angela. Yeah. <laughs> Dino Bravo was still in commentary, by the way. Please leave. Just. <laughs> I don't need him here anymore. He's great. He just keeps telling us stories about how it's better over in New York. Basically, like the whole fucking show. This is all he talks about. There is more of that. Uh, Parisi with an armbar takedown reverse into a hammer left by Rico. Leg trip by Parisi and he works a toehold off the ropes and Rico tries a monkey flip. But Parisi just walks out of the way, which is a good Good. counter to that. Armbar takedown by Rico as Bravo starts listing off Italian wrestlers, including himself. It's so so bad. Bruno San Martino, Parisi. He just goes on and on. Bravo says he has no plans of retiring anytime soon, though. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, Lord, Quinn Cannon brings up Bravo's bench-pressing abilities. This, wait, this is wait. ominous. Yeah, okay. Go on. (laughs) Rico works a crappy armbar for a while, and Bravo specifically says that he's going to be the first man to bench press 600 pounds, and he's going to do it in March. Okay. Hold hold the phone here. Yes, holding. Didn't... Didn't he do this at like Rumble eighty nine or eighty eight or something? Yeah, but he went not for se- March of eighty <laughs> three or whatever. He went for seven hundred pounds though in in 
Rumble. Were they actually consistent? Like, I they, imagine if they were. Like, they actually like. Okay, I, I passed six hundred in March of eighty three, and I didn't pass seven hundred till eighty eight. January you know? of eighty eight. They're using Cannon's Cannon. Oh, Cannon's oh. Cannon. Oh, there it is. Rico keeps the armbar on for a while because that's what happens here. Is we see a shot of a bored Corey Feldman or something. I don't, I don't know yeah. who that was. Parisi finally escapes the armbar, and I mean finally, and yeah. works a toehold again. As a lady in a hat is bored. <laughs> Yeah, the crowd shot. These are like Kevin Dunn style crowd the- shots, but they're here's all bored. It. Okay, yeah. So here's the thing: Kevin Dunn, he at least looks for cr- the, the crowd. most moronic looking people, but they're at least excited, right? They're yes. like, they're like, yay, WF, right? <laughs> yeah. Like yes. these, these idiots just look at people going like, oh, <laughs> like what? Like why would you do that? Why would you even? I'm assuming there's multiple cameras. Why would you just? Even, why would you even show that? Like, <laughs> why would you even cut to that? Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> so I gotta say though, the casual conversation between the announcers is the best part of it. That's you what I'm saying. It. I I it's don't. It's better than the wrestling. They're at least pleasant. But they're not talking about their company. They're not putting over anything. Amiable. <laughs> Dominic is retired. Just retired about a month ago. Bruno's uh, retired. So I guess there's just a three of us left. Bravo brings up Gino Brito again and says he would never wrestle him. You know, he's his best friend. Uh, more fun facts, Quinn. Gino Brito was a WWF tag team champion and his partner, none other than Tony Parisi himself. You, the, you know, the tag the tag history up to this point, it's like probably the most champions, isn't it? And it's like yeah, everyone from everywhere. There's a lot. And it's uh, the belt was uh, newer than the world title also. Right. Not by much, though, right? I ten mean, years or so. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, okay. Some that's like, a, something like but that. But still, we're in the 80s now, so there's been 10 years. It's like, oh, the, yeah. it's like the hardcore championship of the 70s. <laughs> yeah, like, really? It, it, just, just, it like changes all the time. All these people that had it in the early 70s. Yeah. It's so foggy to me. I'm yeah. always surprised at who had the tag I titles. I still can't believe the first one's like Tarzan title. Like, and, and Luke Graham, right? Right? Excuse me? Yeah, Tarzan Tyler. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Bravo tells a story now about how he was in the WWF in 1978 while Super Billy Graham was the champion. And uh, McMahon, Vince McMahon Sr., wanted to sign him to wrestle for the belt against superstar Billy Graham. However, in the meantime, Backlund won the belt from Graham. So Bravo actually had to wind up facing Billy Graham without any belts on the line. It's very sad. And I legitimately like this commentary. I, I'm sure I you hate it, though. I don't understand why he's talking about that. It's pleasant. I just It was I, enlightening. I get it that, like, as a WF fan, you might care. Yeah. But at the same time, the people watching this are not. It's they, like, real. They don't even get it. It's real. This is the only wrestling they get, and the guy's bragging about, hey, there's this better wrestling hey, that you can't see. It's like when like, Jim Cott would tell stories about being on the Twins. Yeah, but it also, to me. Jim Cott. To me, it sounds like he's, like, washed up. And Bravo. He's, and he's saying, like, man, I remember the old days when <laughs> used I, was to be so much du- better. I was in WF and I was fighting <laughs> Bruno San Martino and all this shit. And it, I, it was just so much better than this crap you're watching right now. <laughs> Don't do that. That's well, just bad commentary. I man. like it, actually. Mm. Rico works a headlock now. Literally nobody cares yeah, in the crowd. Like nobody the, cares. The drunks have even like left. <laughs> like they're not even making comments. Yeah, there's anymore. nothing anymore. Off the ropes and Parisi gets the win off a uh, O'Connor roll. Uh, back to George Cannon and his guest. <laughs> How is this person real? Flying Fred Curry. What a name. And he looks like a furniture salesman. You know, he Furniture I, Fred you Curry. You know who he reminds me of? Um the Ricky Steamboat's doctor. No, there was a local furniture salesman in our area, um, my kids' room. Oh, is it the fucking <laughs> creepy guy with the froey hair? Yeah, yeah. You can come to my kids' room and right. get a bed set. Yeah, you could get the crayon bed from Full House or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like he reminds me of him. It's amazing. Recently Curry was facing Jerry Graham Jr., but but how 
counted out. He lost to Jerry Graham Jr. due to interference by Chris Carter. Who? I don't know. He was on the Yankees once, wasn't he? I, he's been on a lot of football teams, too. <laughs> yeah. He mildly says he's going to kick some ass. He's like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to beat him in Toledo. The big rematch. Toledo. Yeah, handcuffs are going to be involved. Yeah, what? Apparently, it's some guy named Greg. <laughs> These names. <laughs> Greg. It's like my friend Greg. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, <laughs> But I'm going to have Greg, Greg Wojcikowski in my corner, and he's going to be handcuffed to that Chris Carter. Back to ringside, Quinn. And it's Mr. Hito. You know, he trained me. He was a really good oh, trainer. Oh, that's that's him? He trained me, uh, him and Mr. Uh, Sakuruda or whatever. And <laughs> they told me I'd have really good matches. And yeah. <laughs> It's, it's the guy who told me we'd have good matches. Yes, I can't even believe that is a real thing he said, right? Yes. Like, I, I, he, they told me I would have good matches. I, I'm pretty sure it's something it's in that wording. It's on the Brett DVD when yeah. they're showing that like foggy footage from a barn in like Canada or whatever. Yeah. We'd have toothbrushes today, Brett. Mr. Hito and another one named uh, Mr. Sakurada. They were working for my father and they started talking to me about it and uh, they told me they were going to show up and uh, start teaching me wrestling. His opponent, Quinn, is the Destroyer who looks like he's been destroying double stuff Oreos lately. <laughs> and it appears to actually be like the Destroyer, Dick Byers, the yeah, actual Destroyer. Like an ultra dumpy mask. Oh my like, it's like really junk. It's like a dirty sock with like, holes cut I wonder cut if it's it. even the real Destroyer. I think like, it is. It's like another guy saying he's the Destroyer just with a shittier mask. I think it's really him. He was still wrestling in the early 80s. <sighs> Horrible. Hito with a big chop. Hito's beard game is very strong. I must say. It's good. It, it is solid. It's a very good beard. Now, is he the face? Like, I was very confused with this. I was too. I don't I don't know if they either were, of them like, are. They were cheering him. Yeah, but they were kind of also cheering Destroyer sometimes. So. I don't know. They were very jolly about Mr. Hito because he has good matches or whatever. <laughs> Maybe there's no... Uh... <laughs> Maybe there's no faces or heels in this promotion, too. Maybe. It's like AEW. Oh, it's like, it's like this is wrestling. <laughs> like, it's, that's all it is. It's, it's some guys fighting for purse money. Yeah, look how exciting it is, yeah. too. <laughs> Lock up and an arm ringer by Destroyer, but Hito punches out of it, and I swear he kind of does the Brett strut, like a little bit. It's not. I mean, Brett stole that shit. <laughs> Dino Bravo now brings up Billy Robinson and Bob Backlund now. Does he even wrestle? <laughs> Billy like, Robinson? He, I don't know. In the he movie. He wrestled in the 50s. Why are we bringing that up? Why do they keep bringing up things that aren't this? I don't know. Like, I don't understand it. <laughs> and I guess, is Dino leaving anytime no, I guess soon? he's like, here to stay. Why is he still here? He's just for the whole show. <laughs> so Hero strut, or Hito struts around before another lockup. Destroyer blocks a chop and swings away as we see an old lady, I think. Uh, very happy about all of this. Hito with a takedown and he works a wrist lock, but Destroyer kips up. Now Hito is able to secure a wrist lock. And I'm happy to report now, we see a shot of the announcers, Dino Bravo is wearing a shirt. Good. So <laughs> someone alerted them. It is Canada. It's cold over there. Remember with a big event, it was like two degrees. It's like August. August. <laughs> Hito works an armbar for a while as Destroyer reverses to a crappy wrist lock of his own while the announcers discuss why there sometimes are lumberjack matches and cage matches. And I like it. I'm serious. That, that part was okay. I Thank didn't, you. I didn't mind that part. Because Bravo's like, you know, sometimes people ask me, why why do you have a lumberjack match with all these guys standing around the ring? Because sometimes you don't want you got to get out of the ring for a tenka. You want to end, you know, it was yeah, actually... That a, made sense. It was I, good. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And they keep talking wrestling yeah. philosophy while back and forth non-action happens. It's well, horrible. This show is full of non-action. Seriously. Destroyer grabs a small package, but Hito makes the ropes. 
Big backdrop by the Destroyer. Irish whip it again, but Hito kicks him right in the face on a second backdrop attempt. What an absolute fool, Joe. Now Hito just kicks the shit out of him. Even Dino Bravo, like, shits all over the Destroyer, <laughs> sucking. Like, how does he make the rookie error? Isn't yeah. he, like, 75 years old or whatever? Like, yeah, he is old, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> he was around didn't forever. Cover, didn't we say this just a second ago? He like, was around really forever, old, right? Yeah. yeah. Really long time. Uh, Hito with a body slam, but then he misses a running leg job. What, did he train Hogan also? Uh, Shit. Possibly. Destroyer tries a figure four, but Hito escapes with a chop to the throat. Scoop slam by Mr. Hito, and he heads to the second ropes, but misses a headbutt. As three minutes remain, Destroyer is actually able to lock in a figure four of his own now, which gets the win. Seriously? Seriously. So random. And like, that just happened out of nowhere. And, and also, that's two matches in a row ending with a figure four. Well... You know? I mean, there's two Tonys in a match. Yeah, that's they, true. They don't seem to care. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. They, they're, they're like the opposite of Vince, where Vince, I will give him credit, he like kind of thinks of that. You're not supposed to like right, right. make it confusing who's who, or yep. like have the same finisher twice in a row. Absolutely. Like, that's something WF or WE or whatever they are now. Yep. They don't do that. And he never put tag matches back-to-back either, Vince, yeah. was another you thing. You just don't do it. You just, you just don't do it, damn yeah. it. Uh, anyway, back to George Cannon, who hypes up the big March 19th show at Detroit's Cobo Hall, which, of course, Quinn is most famous for uh, Hogan and the Giant and the Monster Truck. Right, right. <laughs> and then he threw Hogan off or Giant off. Giant or threw off. Somehow uh, he just survived for yeah, the match. That's yeah. so weird. He mentions how this show will kick off the 1983 season. They have seasons? <laughs> Very progressive company, huh? Yeah, what is, what is this, Netflix? <laughs> what is this, OVP? What season number are we on for uh, these guys? I don't know, like eight? Possibly. Something like that. Anyway, we're going to have the international champion, Billy Robinson. Now, legitimately, Joe, he must be like in his 70s or something at this point, uh, right? Isn't he like, wasn't he born in like 1900 or something? No, 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 no. He wasn't that old. How old was he in The Wrestler? That uh, movie's from like what? At least 40. He has to be. Yeah, so because he's like, like 50 oh, something here. I wrestled with, um, what's it? Abe Lincoln. Vern and shit. Yeah, Vern in the barn, probably, yeah. right? Yeah. But he's like, I wrestled with Vern his whole career, basically. Yeah. Like, it was his main feud. Yeah, I don't know. He's probably in his 50s here. Uh, yeah. He's going to have Alfred Hayes with him. This is right before Hayes came to WF, by the way. He'd be there Good. later in the year. Yeah. And uh, he's going to be defending his international title, Billy Robinson is, against none other than Mike Francesa's favorite, Bobo Brazil. Yep. Bobo Brazil. Also, uh, the team of Gino Brito. Dino Bravo and Dominic Danucci are going to be fighting a Gil Fish Croissant or whatever. I swear that's really his name. <laughs> I, I don't I'm know. Not, I'm not. I don't think Joe's like making that up because I couldn't understand. But Gil Fish Croissant. That still sounds correct, <laughs> right? Like it doesn't sound wrong. They will be going against the threesome of Gil the Fish Croissant. <laughs> also on this team, the Hangman, and of course. Luscious Johnny Valiant. How is he everywhere? Because, because of course. Like, Johnny B, how? He doesn't even like Canada. Remember that whole, like, he, he just hates Canada so much. But wasn't he... It's all cold here. Wasn't he in that other, like, weird thing we did from the Allentown that wasn't Allentown? Remember? Why is he everywhere? It's weird. <laughs> Why does he also have just permission to, like, barnstorm? Isn't he in WF? I don't like, think in 82 or 3 yet. He isn't? He comes back well, in 84. Well, good for them, at least. Yeah, yeah. really. Uh, Eddie Creechman now wanders in, uh, sounding like the Grand Wizard and looking like 2010 George Steinbrenner. It looked like George Steinbrenner. I did <laughs> notice that as well. Yes, it's going to be very nice to go back to the Motor City at Cobo Hall. And he talks for a long time about how he's good and how he's going to the gym with his guys. He looked like Long Island Dr. Evil or something. <laughs> like, he was horrible. I know. Uh, we cut to the ring where we're now just joining the second fall of a tag match. Yeah, what the hell happened? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it was an I, edit in the... I, you know, 
honestly, I'm not even Who sad. Cares? Yeah, like, I do not want to see two falls because <laughs> literally these two guys, I just called them these dorks. Yeah, I like, mean. That they clip to. I know. Don't worry. I got the names, Quinn. Who are they? Fish Croissant. And, Wait, uh, that's Fish Croissant? Yeah, Fish Croissant and Hangman. Which one's Fish Croissant? They got the same tights on. They had the same haircut. The they- shorter one is Fish Croissant. Okay. The taller one is Hangman. And uh, versus whoever and Tony fucking Russo. Fuck yeah, Mr. Japan. Now, okay. If you don't watch the 82s, right? On Patreon. Now, Tony Russo has just come in. Tony Russo is awesome. He's a jobber. He's, However, he's short. He's very short. He's got like the Taz body type, I'd say. Yeah, he's squat. He's very squat. Um, <laughs> Stout. He is. He, he works quick. He's got black, fluffy hair he and a mustache. Fuck around like people push he's him and stiff. he pushes back. He's stiff as shit. <laughs> he is good. He's and, so like, why good. Why does nobody talk about? Him? I don't know. Like, to me, he's like underground Johnny Rods. <laughs> yes. Like, he's like Japanese Johnny Rods because and he's so, not. Yeah, that's he's not Japanese so, though. Yeah. Okay. So the thing why we call him Japanese or whatever is because he proudly in 82 WF he wears a big red coat that says all Japan it's on the real. Yeah, like when he comes to the ring the guy's amazing and, and they never comment nope. on it like he just he just he always comes in with it puts up a hell of a fight he does like he does like he bounces off the ropes like yeah. all like and warms up and confident he's like ready to kick some ass and I'm like this guy's got pep yeah, I like pep. him he's got spunk he's got a lot of it anyway he comes in and immediately kicks all kinds of ass he's, he's awesome, awesome. Best part of this show. <laughs> it's true. Hangman tags out the croissant, and now Russo's in trouble. Mm. Yeah, they're giving him wedgies, which is such bullshit by Dummies. these W croissant. Sharks. W croissant. I don't know what his name is. Doesn't matter. Apparently, though, Quinn, Hangman and Fish Croissant did win the first fall. That's why they were, like, all happy. Great. Yeah, I know. Hangman attacks in the corner as Norm Abrams or somebody looks on from ringside. Russo works a uh, wrist lock here and tags out to whoever the hell his partner is. I don't know who it is. I called him Boy with a Mustache. Boy with a Mustache. He's wearing a ladies one piece bathing suit i swear he seriously he looks like he's like 17 years old but has like a shitty like dirt stash dirt stash it's horrible he has hair like janet from three's company <laughs> yeah. it's real anyway russo like looks on all angrily from the apron as his partner yeah, gets destroyed he is so annoyed he tagged because he was like putting up a fight and this dork come like he this dork goes up against the other dorks and he like he's like the weaker dork yeah i know <laughs> two count by hangman but russo comes in to break up the pin and hangman's like hey yeah which is funny it's like how dare Tony Russo try because he tries man yeah. Cannon flatly says like straight out hangman and croissant are gonna win because there's only one what minute left the, in the fall he listen, doesn't care know, okay I don't know if you noticed this earlier in the show he did this like twice before in the, in the matches <laughs> he like, he, where he's like oh that'll do it but it was like way too early when he was just like lifting his knee up just to like even like Tease that there was a figure for. He's like, oh, that's it. It's over. It's like Gorilla Monsoon. Goodbye. Like, yeah, he knows like, the finish. Yeah, it was bullshit. He got ahead man. of himself. Uh, and then we just randomly cut to a freeze frame of the Hangman and Fish as as Cannon says, time has run out and the winners are Hangman and Fish yeah, Croissant. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what okay, that was. I, actually, I think I, like, theory? After, I had a theory after I watched it. Theory. Was that it actually didn't have a time limit or whatever. Okay. Actually, no. You know what it was? Is that I heard them say three minutes and then it was just over. It was just over, yeah. What I think happened is is that they didn't have a lot of time left because when this was on, there was like literally like a minute left in the broadcast. Oh, so they it, just fast so forwarded they, they, it. Well, they used the freeze frame they had before, right? Where yes. they came in, where they were like, and they just put that on and they were just, they basically, like the announcer just said, and they won or uh, whatever, okay. like a uh, curfew or something. So, I like, think you're I right, because they, they called this a curfew match. Right, which it probably wasn't for the live crowd, is my Got point. Got it, yeah. perfect. That's definitely probably that what That makes total sense, yeah. Quinn. 
perfectly perfect theory there. We now cut to uh, Dino Bravo and Gino Brito. That's hard to say. Dino Bravo, Gino Brito. Uh, Brito? <laughs> like, what is that name? He's Italian. I just it's Dino Bravo's Italian too. That's just, not his real name though. But it's wrestling. You could think of something more. I don't know. That's uh, rolls off the tongue a little easier. That's all I'm saying. I guess you're right. Because uh, Gino Brito, you keep saying you have Gino extra, Brito. You keep, like, it's hard to say. say it three times. Dino Bravo, Gino Brito, Gino Brito, Gino Brito. Who? That's tough. Yeah, that's it's effort, tough, right? Yeah. That's, effort. Why didn't he call him Gino Bravo? Gino they, and Dino Bravo. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Ooh. See. So uh, anyway, George Cannon's with the two of them to hype that big six man tag, and Gino says it's going to be great to hang out again with Danucci and Gino Brito. <laughs> I cannot believe this is a real thing. Mm. He says, Dino Bravo is the greatest Italian wrestler that there ever was, and he includes Bruno San Martino just, in that. Just stop. I mean, come Enough. on now. It's Dino Bravo. Dino Bravo. He's terrible. <laughs> not better than Bruno. No. <laughs> what does he think? He's Larry Zabisco acting like that shit? Like, what is that? Just end this show, please. Dino brags how this Italian connection has been going on since 1972, and he's counted 11 times that these three men have teamed up, and he knows this because he keeps a book of his matches. I, I like this honestly, version of Dino. Here's the thing about this Dino Bravo, Joe. He's kind of like you, like remembering dates and See? stuff. See? Yeah. Like, yeah. Speaks Maybe that's to my why heart. you like him so much. The other thing, Quinn. He keeps a book of matches. Yeah. He better not have any cigarettes near those matches. <laughs> That's amazing that he said he keeps a book of matches. I have some problems there. Yeah. No. And George Cannon sums it up with, there you have it, wrestling fans. <laughs> there you have it, wrestling fans. Here's my final word on this, Quinn. It's it's not close to being like the worst thing I've no. ever seen. Uh, it's not even really, I wouldn't even call it bad. It's just kind of boring and dull, but some interesting people pop I up. I guess. It it, was, it was, it's just very whatever. It's whatever, yeah. yeah. But it wasn't offensively bad or anything. Yeah. Right? I mean, okay. it wasn't poorly so, produced. let me put it to you this way. Especially after doing Action Zone last week, right? Oh, God, yeah. This breezed by. I did Yeah, this, right, I, I right. wasn't reviewing it for two hours because oh, there were so many notes to take or anything. Action like, Zone was exasperating. Yeah. This, right? This was better than that. This was better than that, yeah. right? Not that even Action Zone was the worst thing. I, I don't even remember now what the worst thing is we ever... What's on the what's the list I of forget. the worst thing we, right now? We need, we need some help from you fans to compile our superlatives. Who usually compiles our like stuff? That. I don't know. Joe Merkel. Joe, get Joe, on that. Get on that. Yeah. Be for free. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, I know he likes to maintain the uh, spreadsheet. He does. So. He just does. put it on the spreadsheet there. Maybe we'll buy you a OVP mug or something yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. want to help. Well, you're going to need to have coffee so you can listen to all these shows and <laughs> give them OVP coffee mug. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, overall, interesting study in a promotion, a thing I had never heard of. Yeah. I'll give. I, I, I never have, knew about this. I until, thought this was the one where they... The, the guy. Yeah, the guy and the stuff. That yeah, blocked that, it. Yeah, that we can't watch superstars. <laughs> right, that it's never going to be on the network because yeah. of Albert Patterson. I mean, uh, thank God for YouTube, really. We need to track down now yeah. on Albert Patterson superstars, yeah. and it better fucking be the best thing ever now, for him to still so, be holding this okay, copyright. Okay, so I guarantee you this, whatever this Albert Patterson, what's his name? Albert Patterson. Albert Patterson. Albert Patterson. Whatever his name is, bet you that on YouTube, it's like super blocked. Like, oh yeah, because right. that guy is like, if he won't sell this crap that's worthless, right, right. Then you, you really think he's going to let no. it play on YouTube? Either? No, no. But folks, thanks for playing with us here as we have romped you through another week in the world of retro wrestling. Thanks so much for being with us. If you have any information on George Cannon, any of this stuff, let us know, please. And as always, reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us OVP Podcast at gmail.com. Join the group if you have a Facebook. Try it out. 
promise you'll have fun there. And patreon.com slash OVP podcast. This is the big month for WrestleMania 3. And if uh, you want to leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that would be great. But until next week for another week in the world of retro wrestling, I'm Joe Murata. That's Michael Quinn. And we are out of here. See ya. Dominic Danucci, Dino Bravo, and Gino Brito, the three fellas that they will be going against, the hangman Jill the Fish puts on, luscious Johnny Valiant. There should be a lot of excitement. Dino, Gino? Well, of course there will be. Uh, we will reunite with Dominic Danucci. As you know, uh, Dino, to me, in my books right now, is probably the greatest Italian wrestler going probably that ever was. I don't care. There have been some great ones like Bruno San Martino, but I think Dino's got everything going for him. Plus what he's got that others at the strength, he's got also got the speed, the agility, and the... When you stop, 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 stop.